Metaphysics is going to have to be the quote-unquote religion of tomorrow. If it isn't, you're fucked. Totally and absolutely. self-sufficiency and productivity is immediately immediately dissolved disbanded and forbidden from returning for at least three to six hours and what what triggered that uh the need to be prepared this evening oh <laughs> I wanted to be in a good place. I got a purple light on. Nice. I got some of this uh, positive vibes tea. It's called positive energy, tangerine positive energy. Wow. I love how they're dipping into that market. (laughs) Positive energy tea. With no shame. Yeah. Completely shame. I think the name of the tea brand is Yogi. Oh, yeah. I know what that is. I get some of that too. It's subtle. Yeah, I get some of that too. I know what you're talking about. It's tasty. It might be poison. And until I find out that it is, <laughs> until I find out that it's Windex made by slave children in the Congo, once I'm, then I'll then I'll switch to a different tea. But for now, it's not ruined for me. Hey, so that that uh that cuts out all the Coca-Cola and Pepsi products, then, right? Oh yeah, no, I don't I don't mess with soda at all. <laughs> I already got Tay-Sachs bones. I don't need to, end, to, to inject any more brittleness into my bones. Yeah, that's pretty much what Coca-Cola is. It's just sweet, brittle bones. Get, get type 42 diabetes. The strongest, the strongest sweet, diabetes. Yeah, I mean, like you said, like Patrice O'Neill said, right? You start, you want to drink Coca-Cola, you want to eat some uh, some donuts and shit. Who needs a foot? Right. <laughs> Who needs a foot? I need more honey buns. Reckless abandon. Yeah. Completely conscious. Completely conscious of it. And brilliant as a philosopher. Completely zapped of all power to resist the temptation. (laughs) Yeah, I remember there was a time in my life when honey buns were... Like, just the go-to, if you feel hungry at all, if you have any inkling that your body needs sustenance, just get a honey bun. <laughs> that was like, that was just like the first thought of the mind as soon as your body triggers, like, you know what, I could use some food, a honey bun. There was a brief period of time in my life where I would have one every every now and then, but I remember distinctly that this is... This is while I'm taking a bus to school. Like it's it's childhood, childhood. Like I'm I'm just figuring out how not to pee on the toilet seat, and I'm like, okay, I'll get one. And at that age, the honey bun can be processed. The honey bun can be metabolized and moved out of your body. But there's there's a certain it's it's just adulthood. As soon as you move into an adult an adult frame of mind in any level, you have to abandon the honey bun. Yeah. The honey bun is the enemy. <laughs> it's complete empty. I think it's like if I I think I can remember. I haven't had one in literally decades, but I think it's something stupid like 64 grams of fat per one or 32. Wow. It's some outrageous number. I probably could just google it if I wasn't a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> it's saturated fat and sugar, but undeniably delicious. Oh man. 
Hanigi, dude. It's it's one of the worst things that you could probably eat as an adult. But remember <laughs> how remember how there was the two honey buns? It was like you had a choice to make if you just wanted to get like a regular normal kid honey bun, and then there was the one with the fucking sheet of thick ass icing over it. Yes. It was yeah. <laughs> that's the one you get when you want to treat yourself when you're feeling extra decadent. I remember that shit. I remember how it just used to gleam in the store. It was like the spotlight hits it when you come in. I mean, all of that shit's garbage. All, just all of it. Everything at the child's eye level in a oh, corner yeah. store is all 100% garbage. And, and, it, and it's designed to capitalize on the weaknesses of children. Yeah. And, and some of us get trapped in like an infantile state of mind that we keep falling for it. Well into our eighties, because yeah. if you if you because because it's food that is super irresponsible, it appeals to the appetite and nothing that's associated with with wise decision making. Yeah, like this is bad for my long term health. This is just empty calories. I'm paying for this, but my primal appetite says this shit is just undeniably delicious, and I'm gonna uh, fuck discipline on every other level. So, if you're in a childlike mind state, you're gonna be way more susceptible to the effectiveness of the poison. Oh yeah, that's my grandmother, bro. My grandmother still gets busy with the honey buns and the Dunkin' sticks and the zebra cakes and like all the little fifty cent little killers that they sell. At how how old you? How old your grandmother though? She's over eighty. Oh, she deserves it then. She's eighty. Yeah, she don't at, give a shit. No. <laughs> at 80, you could do heroin, and it's not irresponsible. <laughs> right, at 80, you could just, yeah, whatever. I'm 80. I, yeah. I I'm, made I already won. Yeah, I already yeah. won. <laughs> <laughs> I already beat you. So this is just my victory lap. Yeah, so at is, 80, yeah. at 80, you get five honey buns and a carton of cigarettes every day if you want. <laughs> You've earned it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What's it really going to do at this point? Yeah, and but you know what? That but that lines up in the idea too that that's when you're the most similar, like like when you when you just get here and when you're on the tail end of it, right? The, 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 all the similarities. So yeah, you know what? Carefree, no, eat no whatever you given. want. You know, yeah, eat whatever you want. You'll be fine. Yeah, it's more. You probably do more damage by trying to by trying to discipline yourself and not eat it. Right, right, right. Your body, like, look, <laughs> honey buns are the only thing we know how to metabolize at this point. If we like, don't seriously. get honey buns, we're just turning off all the organs. We're done. Yeah. It, at, when you're 80, a honey bun is like an MRE. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's got all of everything you could possibly need just packed into it, including the fucking preservatives. Like, you need everything you can yep. get. It's, yeah. it, it's like a, it's like a um like a big time release capsule like because <laughs> your body can't break this down normally you're gonna be able to get nutrition from this for at least the next two decades it's right. not going anywhere you slowly break it down and we'll get it out there to the rest of the body no worries yeah yeah so once you once you pass 65 just go on an all cinnabon diet just nothing yeah. but cinnabons and glazed donuts just like fuck it what else you know Maybe a steak every now and then, but pretty much just Cinnabons, honey buns, you know, Cool Ranch Doritos, whatever you want. It, but is that not the ideal rhythm of a good life? Like, you start out, yep, doing 
do whatever the fuck you want. You don't know anything about anything just yet. Play all day. It's fine. You'll, you'll, stress and responsibilities are coming. And then for the big middle part, you try to be as disciplined as possible and do the right thing. And then if you do that and you make it on the back end, you get to revert back to childhood and do whatever the fuck you want. It's beautiful. It's a it's a good it's a good rhythm of life. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That sounds smart. Because nobody, how long do you want to keep up the discipline? Like after a while, it seems like it would get annoying. It's like when you're super old and you can't really do a whole lot of shit. You can't. It's not like you can just jump out and go wherever you want, do whatever you want. You got to stay close to home and shit. And you're thinking they got a lot of other stuff on your mind, so you might as well just bury it in indulgences. It's the most annoying voice in the room and in your head. Yeah. The Jiminy Cricket that chimes up and says, I, I don't think we should eat this baby. I think <laughs> I think we should just leave. Leave the senators to their devices. Let's just go. But right. if you're the killjoy, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, fuck it. You you would just you were opening up. Talk, you trying to profess your love for honey buns, and I came in and shit it all over that, right? <laughs> Quick, honey buns are the worst decisions you can make. Fuck, you, you, you killed all my desire for a honey bun. You're depends a fucking on asshole. how old you are. That would depends on how old you are. I, well, I think as a general rule, like I think it's a good idea. Like right. if you went to your doctor and said, you know, I, what do you honey buns or no honey buns? They'd probably say, uh, you're better off without it, but. Uh, if you have one every once in a while, that's fine. But yeah, probably not. Just kind of—I mean, I feel like a honey bun is just like a cigarette. Like it you're, probably you're, is pretty close to like a it's as much like right. <laughs> probably about four of nicotine to be sugar. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. it, might, it might be the whole pack. <laughs> it could possibly be like eating a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> it's thick. <laughs> not even <laughs> smoking. It's like eating a pack of cigarettes. You probably get similar effects. Yeah, that's <laughs> And it's, it was so accessible. It's like these little fucking hand grenades of heart disease that they've been selling for 50 cents. <laughs> they've been selling for 50 cents for 40 years, bro. Shit's unbelievable. My honey bun. Ain't even no honey on it. Not a drop. <laughs> Not a drop of honey. And you know what's, you know what's so powerful about the, the poisoning and the brainwashing is until this very moment, over four decades later, I stopped to consider that perhaps there is no honey in a honey bun. It's just honey bun is its own word. The, 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 thought, the idea of honey never even crossed my mind until just now. Right. I think, I think they're trolling because, to be honest, if you took, like, a, uh, if you had to test the average thing in the store that they call honey, you're going to come back with results that are very similar to what's on a honey bun. Because the shit that they sell you in the store is literally syrup with a little bit of food coloring and like not all of that shit's real honey. And the name, the word honey <laughs> is not, you know how the Food and Drug Administration is. <laughs> like, we, we, you can call it honey without actually putting yeah. any honey in it. That's fine. We could do that. Especially if 65% of the rest of the honey available to you on the store shelves is also basically just sugar water. Then why not call it a fucking honey bun? Wow. You have two drops of honey in an eight gallon vat. That's honey. You would call it honey. You know <laughs> what? I never if even you stopped. Put it in a bear shaped bottle. If you put it in a bear shaped bottle, <laughs> <call it> honey. <laughs> That's pretty much the only rule we have. 
If it's a syrup in a bear-shaped bottle, you can call it honey. <laughs> They're fucking horrible, yo. The Food and Drug Administration is full of shit. Clearly, by you know, because honey buns exist. Little Debbie. Matter matter of fact, yeah, everything Little Debbie is fucked up. All of it. The whole company. <laughs> just everything they've ever created as an organization has been horrible. Everything. Yeah, but like any good drug dealer, they get you when you're young. Yeah. They make, they make you a customer. It's a treat. You go to school, it's like you did good. Here's a Swiss roll. Oh, yeah. If you eat all your dinner, I'll let you get some donut sticks. Yeah, yeah she's this happy little Debbie girl. She's she's elated. She's yeah. elated at these these sugary mounds of of diabetes. She's some, some yo-yos, some ho-hos, whatever you want. What was the snowballs? The one that looked like oh, little koosh balls? That is the worst. That's the oh my god. They're worse than honey buns. They're definitely it's, worse than honey buns. It's that's a Godzilla versus King Kong matchup. It's yeah, you're, pretty, right. you're right. It's pretty bad. This is a right. clash of behemoths. It's right down the middle. Because then again, the uh, the uh, snowball has something on it resembling coconut. I, I'm, I'm pretty positive it's not actual coconut flakes. <laughs> I'm sure there's no reason to assume that it's actually coconut flakes. So who knows what the fuck that is on the outside of those things? And it's not even like an actual, and they're not even uh, like cake, are they? They're just like. A marshmallow ball with some kind of yeah. fluff on it. Yeah, it's oh, terrible. Yeah. Terrible. It's, terrible. It's pure sugar. Is it true that um, vanilla flavorings made from like like a beaver sweat gland or some shit? Um, I'm not sure if it's vanilla or if it's a fruit flavorings. I know like stuff like blueberry and strawberry. It's not even a sweat gland. It's an anal gland. It's a pouch in its ass. And I, that I makes that know. flavor. I think the Matrix ran out of shit. It was just like, I don't know. It's uh, A lot of stuff tastes like chicken, so I'll make a lot of stuff taste like this, too. I have no idea who figured that out or what the pathway is to learning that a beaver's anal pouch tastes like blueberry. I, I don't even want to, you know, get into that rabbit hole. But, yeah, Food and Drug Administration is fine with that. So, so how could you not believe that there's a secret priestly uh, class that has rituals and eats babies and gets into weird sex stuff and scientific advancement figures out at some point that beaver askland tastes just like vanilla. They're interchangeable. <laughs> we could either use these vanilla beans or we could use this beaver's askland that just so happens when you chew it, tastes exactly like vanilla. <sighs> That's what they're doing all this weird shit for. They're just trying to find out these, this happenstance. You would never stumble upon this shit unless you were you were just constantly engaged in debauchery and rituals. Right. And eventually, you're like, ah, right, let's try this shit. Oh, it's vanilla. You yeah. eventually find out shit no one else would. There's literally no other way to find that out. Yeah, and you sell it back to everybody else. Like, yeah, dude, we got the truth. We got it all figured out. We need to, we need to rule the world. You didn't know that beaver ass gland tastes like vanilla. Yeah. You think I give a fuck about what you vote for? Yeah, you, you were wasting your life watching the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm out here exploring in the real world, figuring shit out. <laughs> Do you even you know, know how, many how ass hard it is? We had to bite into. You know how hard it is to pollinate vanilla orchids, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but beaver assholes is right over there. They're just chilling. Yeah, I don't know, bro. Yeah, I don't know how you. I don't know. I don't know how you land on that. 
you got to be doing something crazy. You got to be, unless, I'm, yeah, you got to just be doing something nutty. There's no way to mistakenly stumble across that. You was doing that on purpose. I bet you it was a guy who lived in a log cabin who figured that out. Yeah, it was, if, if you actually took the time to read Ted Kaczynski's manifesto, it's probably in there. <laughs> yeah, it might be in there. It's like in his journal notes, Thursday, <laughs> had to eat a beaver, accidentally ate ass gland. Full surprisingly, <laughs> surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a good thing. That's a, yeah. So fake vanilla flavoring, I think it's in fake blueberry flavoring also. So when you get those, um, you get those little cookies or little fake pancake mix that's got little blue pellets of Play-Doh in there, and those come from a yellowish exudate from the caster sacks of mature beavers. <laughs> <laughs> the caster sacks of mature oh, beavers, bro. Mature ones nice. too. It's not even like a young nubile caster sack. It's the old heads. It's the old grizzled caster sack. <laughs> and then, and then, just to just to flex on everybody, they're like, we're gonna have a company that's gonna make millionaires, and we're gonna call it Caster Maritime. Just to oh, let you know. God. Yeah, just so just you know. So now, I wasn't sure about buying in, and now I'm convinced. I don't need to yeah. do any more research. The Matrix is talking to us, bro. That was their way of just letting you know, like, hey, by the way, this is the stock you should buy. Why? Because it's where it's where beaver ass comes from. It comes from the caster. It's how you get vanilla. Gosh. Yeah, the real vanilla. The real vanilla. Yeah. That's your nature vanilla. <laughs> it's actually the orchid that's mimicking the beaver's ass flavor. Right. <laughs> not the other way around. <laughs> it's not the other way around. Trust me. Because <laughs> this beaver ass has been here longer than this orchid. I don't care what nobody says. We need some fertilizers. What can we do to attract? I know. It just smells like beaver ass. And thus, <laughs> thus, um, Adaptation got involved and started working and made the vanilla orchid that much more efficient by emulating beaver ass. Gosh, dude. Well, this is science, right? This is what you got to do. You got to figure these things Close out. Enough. Yeah, you got to figure these things out. People need to know. We need to figure, because what if, you know, something goes wrong with the vanilla supply? We got to have something to replace it. And eventually people will forget about the vanilla orchid as a whole. It'll just be too much work. They'll be like, oh, real vanilla, it costs fucking $145 an ounce. So now I got to get f- f- imitation, the imitation vanilla extract. It's like, oh, okay, how do you make this one? Oh, easy. Mad easy. <laughs> i put out some phony stats that every year, 47 people globally are murdered by a gaggle of beavers. The right. beaver population is over, you know, it's, it's, it's 18 million square acres of crops failed last year due to beaver infestations. We have to cull them. We have to. Yeah. So the easiest way to do it is to make it so that we can use some of it. We're not just out here killing them for nothing. We're also helping your grandma bake that fucking sweet potato pie for Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're not animals. We're scientists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to do... We're we helping y'all out. <laughs> we're helping y'all out. I don't even give a shit. But, you know, I was already out there with the beavers. Just happened <laughs> to find something that we could use, you know? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I saw the day that the uh, Food and Drug Administration... There was a guy... Okay, so there's this plant called the Miracle Berry. And uh, when you eat the Miracle Berry, 
there's compounds in it that like kind of coat your tongue and the inside of your mouth. So for a couple hours after that, anything that you eat that's sour tastes like it's sweet. So after you eat a miracle berry, you could take a slice of lemon and just chew on it and it'll be sweet like an orange. Or anything sour or bitter tastes sweet. So, uh, and I've, I've had it before. I had it once in my life and it's, it's ridiculous how well it works. Your brain, it just flicks something off in your brain. Like we tasted these little, uh, little tiny oranges, they could kumquats. So we mm-hmm. tasted those and they were super sour and bitter. And then we were walking through the place and they had a miracle berry plant. And I was like, oh, crap, check this out. And uh, there was a few berries on it. So we got them, we tasted them, and we went back and got another one of the kumquats. And it was crazy sweet. So some guy came up with the idea to take those berries and, like, juice them down and make some kind of chew tablets for people who want to get off sugar type shit. You chew this Mm. tablet that has the miracle berry in it. And then you get to have kind of basically almost anything that's sour or bitter and it'll taste sweet to you, which will get rid of your craving for the sweetness without the calories and without the sugar and everything else, just to kind of hack the brain and shit. And the Food and Drug Administration denied. Absolutely, it denied it. Denied his product, bro. It basically was condensed fruit in like a little chewable and they denied it. But they got shit out here in the world with aspartame in it that is a 100% lab chemical that they can put in all of your drinks and shit like that. It causes all kinds of problems in the body. And that's okay. That's fine. Aspartame is everywhere. But Miracle Berry chews were out of the question. I would like to see the rationale behind their decision. Because right. my, my gut tells me it's 100%. You, you, would, you would destroy a huge swath of the economy overnight. Yeah, sugar. Yeah, it would be COVID times five. See, that's the thing. I don't know if it would get that bad because you got some people who are trying to do diet shit or whatever, and they want to discipline themselves. But the average person doesn't give a fuck. They're just gonna eat the honey bun. Most people don't give a shit. They're gonna go to McDonald's. They're gonna get their fucking apple pies and their shakes, and they're not trying to. They're not interested in Miracle Berry substitutes and shit like that. So I don't know if it. Do you think you it might, would have really been that much competition? You might be you might be 100% right. In fact, I would even say given what we know, you're more than likely right. But I think that's the cynical take on it. I think if they considered seriously that 40% of the population uh would prefer to do that than poison themselves cuz they would just want to be healthier and happier, um it would it would destroy a huge amount of profits for a huge number of companies. Or maybe it's a small number of companies at this point. There's probably like three companies that make all our food. I don't know. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. But yeah, yeah, what if? What if what if people were like, you know what? I know this shit is killing me. I know it's horrible for me. It's packaged brightly and it's, you know, advertised with bells and whistles because it actually has nothing of value. It's one hundred percent having mastery over my brain to say, just just poison yourself with this. It's absolutely useless. It's not an animal. It's not a fruit. It's not an herb. It's nothing. It's it's just it's it's just fucking up your insulin. Let's just do that. <laughs> yeah, we got this thing to break your system for you. Yeah, this I'm reading I'm looking at this article right now and it says that the guy who uh who was connected to the company 
that pushed aspartame through FDA was connected. He had some friends in the FDA, obviously. Of and uh, they said this was competition for this for the uh, for the refi- it was not refined sugar, but for the artificial sweetening industry. So the artificial sweetening industry became very concerned about this impending threat. That's what this says. That's crazy, bro. It was labeled. They said this uh, product was labeled as a food additive. Yeah, that's yeah, that's ridiculous. So if Miracle Berry guy had some friends that worked at the FDA and greased some palms, right. he could probably just introduce his aspartame. Because it's it's pretty much an apples for apples comparison, in all an alternative to sweetener, but arguably the miracle uh, berry would be safer than aspartame. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a fucking it's aspartame is just a white powder, it's just a chemical. It's basically <laughs> some cocaine they made in a lab. <laughs> That's basically what it is. It's cocaine for your tongue that they made in a lab. I mean. And you have a berry on the other side. They're like, I don't, I'm not too sure about that berry. But this stuff that came in a fucking uh, 50 gallon drum, this white powder, this drum full of white powder, that this I trust. This is a, doesn't this cause systemic lupus? Yeah, but not after, you gotta have a whole lot of it though. <laughs> you gotta have like a whole lot of it though. It's not that and bad. And how many years did you let the data get researched before it was allowed to be, you know, have your product brought to market? No, no, no. He knows fine. Terry. Terry works there. He's good. He's good with <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he's Terry's friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shit is ridiculous, bro. But yeah, I got one. I got a couple seeds from it. I was thinking about um, ordering. Uh, a young tree is super um, rare. You don't see them around a lot. The tree that was in the place that I was at was like 150 bucks. It was a nice size little bush, but it was super expensive. And I was just like, nah, no thanks. We ate like four berries off it and kept all the seeds. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's the, I'm sorry. That's the kind of shit we do. I, my great grandmother had like, she had an apartment in New Jersey where she had mad plants everywhere, everywhere when I was young. And when I got a little bit older, my mother and my grandmother were telling me about how every time they would take her out, she would pinch pieces off plants and take them home. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, that's dope. And not knowing, you know, years later, now we got homestead going on. We got, you know, since we've been interested in this stuff, I'll be out at the stores. I won't say which stores, but I'll be out at the stores and I see some stuff sometime and I'm like, oh, this is cool. How much is this? Uh, 40, 50 bucks for this tree? Like, uh, nah, I don't think so. I'll just find an inconspicuous little twig somewhere and I'll just pinch it right off and put it in my pocket. <laughs> and then I go home and try to nurse it back to health. And I feel like if I can pinch a piece off a tree, bring it home and root it and grow it into another tree, I feel like I, I earned it. Yep. And I earned you know- it. You, and you know um, what else that demonstrates is this is why um, they would rather sell chemicals than a plant. It's if you if you anything that demonstrates the idea that nature makes it way easier to get than the chemical refinement process, you you immediately got to kill that. Yeah. See, look, someone could just take a you know they could just take a branch and they got their own tree. 
we need it so that you can never get what you need on your own. Right. By any right. kind of easy You can't make your own aspartame. <laughs> right. You can't make your own aspartame. Nature's trying to just hand it over to you, and we, we have to, to show dominance and that we own it. So we're like, no. We need, we need, we're going to take that same energy, that, that, that same, I need something off of a plant, and we're going to make it into a chemical that you have to have like billions of dollars invested in factories to create and, and to get the research done and everything else, just to bring you a worser version that's, that, that's way more deadly. So we can get that to you. And so that you can't live without it, we're going to put all these extra steps. Unbelievable. I get it though. You can't have everybody taking pieces of the tree and shit won't be nothing left. So I totally understand that. But you know, not everybody does. And they got more than enough plants in there. So I, I usually just take a small piece. And it don't all it don't even always work. But sometimes it does. I have a lot of stuff where I mean the first uh the first mulberry tree I bought, I ended up with five of them planted on the property and I've probably sold at least a hundred. Mm. At least, at least a hundred, because uh, I, I, they're so easy to root. You take a cutting, you put it in some dirt. Three weeks later, it's got new leaves. You wait a month or so, it's got like, you know, tall branches coming off it with nice leaves and shit. And I'll sell them on Facebook Marketplace for ten or fifteen bucks. And it's just a clip from the backyard, put it in some dirt, and a month or so later, and I've done that at least a hundred times with the mulberry. So uh, that's just you know this is what you I think that's what you're supposed to do with this stuff. But fair, fair, fair enough. I did buy that tree before I started propagating it. But some of these places they don't deserve. All <laughs> <of this. laughs> they, they don't deserve full price for all of this shit, bro. They be selling you so much bullshit that's barely gonna grow here. You you need to buy Miracle Grow to keep it alive. You need to buy Roundup to kill it. Like so, fuck those guys. <laughs> Basically. Fuck those guys. They sold us a lot of shit that croaked. There's no judgment, no argument with the sentiment whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, they're bastards, bro. So I, I, I take a little piece whenever I can. Whenever I feel inclined to, I see something that looks good. I'm like, ah, I'll take a snip. I don't bring no tools or nothing. I just use my bare hands. <laughs> you know what I'm so I think it's all fair and square. <laughs> it's all fair and square. And I'm usually buying something from there anyway, so. I think that should be. I think they should encourage that behavior. They should have people in there that's like, "Oh, you like this, but you're not too sure about it. How about I give you a cutting?" They should have people in the aisles with little scissors in their pocket and give you a little cutting, put it in a, in a moist paper towel, and let you take it home. Because the average person won't be able to grow it. Most people won't. They'll forget about it in their pocket or something, and then maybe they'll come back and buy it. That might be a good change of culture for these uh, Home Depots and shit like that. At least on consignment. Right. We'll, we'll give you a little piece, go stretch it, and then bring back half the price for right. what the plant would have cost since you did most of the work. We yeah, go go this grow this at home. We'll go check up on it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> see how much you owe us. We, <laughs> we want to see the books. Let's see the books. Yeah, it's that little piece of rosemary we sold you, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Looking nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, fucking gangster Home Depot. <laughs> and those dudes from People Jersey anyway. pissed the whipped over mulberry bush clippings. It's a horrible <laughs> dystopia. Right, right. It can happen, though. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen, trust me. 
trust me, with all the stuff that we've been growing and selling and, you know, those thoughts come up because of how people are, how people act and shit like that. I have my name, my, even my neighbor, I think I told you about it, this older lady said she was looking at the watermelons in the front yard. And she was walking her dog. She's like, oh, I walk my dog by here. Those watermelons look so good. I just want to go over there and grab one. But I don't want to get shot over a watermelon. And I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea to not get shot over a watermelon because it could happen. It's just, <laughs> it's just, just a bad decision. Know your neighbor and negotiate. Right. Why but would see, that's that not be what your first said. step? It's like, you know, and I thought maybe to be slick and introduce myself when I saw you out here getting the mail and try to be friends and then maybe offer to buy it from you on the cheap or something. You know, just, I'm just going to take it. Yeah. That was her, that was her thought process. I just, I I just go over there and rip it, but I don't want to get shot. Well, it sounds like you figured this whole thing out. (laughs) Pretty accurately. It's a good job, lady. I ain't fucking around with it. It's, it's growing in the front yard. But, you know, until I put up my little free food sign, don't play yourself. Don't play yourself. This shit is important over here. And and also, I'm, I sell a lot of shit, too. So I give people great prices. You can go grow this yourself at home. Well, don't fuck around over here, buddy. It'd be real dumb to get shot over some fruit. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, an, that's, an embed, that's like an aneurysm on the toilet thing. It's just, nobody's going to be able to eulogize you properly. Like, it's such a, you you have to just avoid how the person left the whole time. It's like, he got, he got shot stealing fruit from his neighbor that he could have become friends with or introduced himself or offered to buy it for. No, no, no. I'm risking it all. The local newspaper is saying, black man shoots neighbor over watermelon. Oh, yeah, that's. (laughs) That's a horrible story for for it just exists. I'll be like, wait a minute now, hold on. That sounds like we was arguing at the grocery store. Like that, that's not what to happened. To be clear, it's my watermelon that I grew on my property, and they were trespassing. Just to be clear. Yeah, let me tell my side of the story. Yeah, because that yeah that would absolutely be a sensationalized headline. Look, let me tell you why I shot the bitch. First of all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hell yeah, bro. I'm about to plant some watermelons coming up here right now. In a couple of days, I'm about to plant some watermelons. I'm planting them in the backyard this time because I don't want to tempt anybody into getting themselves hurt. So, See, that's super righteous. Yeah, man. You know, try to help these people out wherever I can. You know, plant them in the backyard. See see how we can, uh, we can kind of let them run in the backyard. There's so much space. I don't have to worry about keeping the plants, man. I just fucking let them go. And hopefully, the good thing, what would be excellent, is if a few a few watermelons kind of escape our sight and die and decompose in the garden. And then next year, they grow by themselves. We'll have some wild ones happening in the yard. That's a big part of my uh, process right now, is trying to get stuff that's reseeding itself and just so it'll exist naturally in the landscape. So we'll always have it. I got a bunch of greens and all kinds of shit growing right now that uh, I'm just letting them sit. I'm not going to scythe them down yet for the biomass. Just let them go until it gets warm consistently and they'll go to seed. Just let them drop as much seed as possible. And I'll mulch over that. And uh, if I'm lucky, they'll start popping up next year. You can do that shit with like cabbage and carrots and onions and all types of shit. Just let it stay. Let it live its whole life. Birth, don't harvest the fruit, let it 
dropping seeds and uh and they'll just be there for good and you know what it's crazy to think that uh people would be like dismissive or or like just um really skeptical and shitty towards the notion of like the garden of eden like that's just ridiculous it's ridiculous. There could never be a way in which we live where it's just that easy. And it's it's that far from conflict and having to go get shit from it. It has to be laborious. It has to be backbreaking. It has to run you into the ground. There's no way we could just live and get what we needed from the earth and the earth would just figure it out and hand it over. Right. It just doesn't exist. It's a myth. Well, it's fucking not. That's for sure. I've I've been learning it and I see it with my own eyes. It's absolutely doable. It's going to be a lot harder in other places that have colder climates and shit. But even there, there are seeds that live on in the ground through the winter. You know what I'm saying? Tomatoes, there's all kinds of seeds that will still live. You just got to find what's native to your area. And I think that's a big thing, a big shift that happened with us is finding native plants and how important that shit is. Because uh, they live naturally, easily in your environment. You don't need a special, have, give them no special treatment or nothing like that. They attract the most pollinators, feed the most pollinators and birds and shit. Because they're just naturalized to where you are. So the animals that live there interact the best with it. But, you know, you go to the store and you see all these hundreds of seeds and flowers. And you just see shit that looks cool. And you want to grow it. Like, oh, these are nice. These are blue flowers. Let's grow those. But they may not feed the environment at all. They may not help the uh, pollinators because they have a pollen that's naturalized to a different place with a different set of insects and all of that. All of that shit matters. If you grow shit the right way and let it live its its whole life, that's the big part. Because, you know, if you grow carrots and you pull them out of the ground because you want to eat the carrots, of course, you know, that's what you got to do. But if you let it live its entire life, you sacrifice that one carrot you leave it in the ground, it goes to, it flowers and goes to seeds, and it drops fucking 3,000 carrot seeds on the ground. You know, and then if you rake that up, and I mean, it's, you can collect the seeds, put them in envelopes, and plant them next to you. You can do whatever you want. But to let them just live, grow, and die in place makes it more and more likely that uh, they'll just exist naturally in the environment. They'll just find places where they grow. And oh, it would take years for you to just have everything you needed growing naturally because of the uh, the agriculture that you did on the front end. It would take a long time. But the point is to have it there so you don't you don't necessarily have such a big um, responsibility to plant these annual things every year. Like I got to have this, got to have that, because some of it is just going to be natural in the environment. And you just uh, focus on the perennials anyway, the shit that's just going to live and either come back from seed or come back from roots and shit next year. We've just been socialized to with the, the way production is. They want to sell a lot of shit. They want to sell seeds every year. They want to sell freshly grown, you know, blooming flowers at the Home Depot and the Lowe's. Like you go there, you see all this colorful shit, not knowing that it's spent three quarters of its life already. By the time it got to that shelf, so by the, you get it home, you put it in the ground, you get a week or two out of it, and it's dead, and you're like, oh, what happened? I did it wrong. It's like, oh, they just fucked you over. <laughs> it's like selling somebody a half-burnt candle, but you just don't realize that that's what it is when you're looking at it. 
But even you, moreover, who cares if it takes years to get it done? Years are years are going to pass regardless whether you're you're working right. towards making that or not. And I mean, people spend like six, seven years, right, to become like uh, chemists that invent aspartame. You know, <laughs> so like anything that you invest a whole lot of energy and time into, like time's going to pass whether you pursue it or not. So right. I don't know. I see more value in, in doing that than learning how to be an aspartame chemist. Yeah, seriously. It might not make you as much money as aspartame. You know, not currently. Not not right now. But everything's shifting. And it will give you uh, an abundance and diversity on your property. Just growing Ted, the right Ted's shape. Not, Ted's not going not gonna to run the FDA forever. He's going yeah. to get his gold watch eventually. <laughs> Yeah, eventually he'll be out of there and hopefully somebody younger will, you know, will come in and start trying to move things around and shift shit back in the right direction. But uh, it's a lot of fuckery over there. It's a lot of fuckery. And they're really not to be trusted when you look at the type of shit they allow. Like, you know, you know I'm sure you know this, but, you know, in canning factories and shit like that, there's a, a certain number or percentage that they allow of rat droppings in food. Yeah, it's like it's not additives or something. Yeah, it's not zero. <laughs> the, the, the line is not zero rat droppings in the food. It's definitely above zero. So just think about that. They're like, well, if it's only like four or five shits out of 10,000 cans of soup, then we can't really blame you. It's like, I don't know, buddy. I think I want my rat shits at zero <laughs> when it comes to food that I'm going to be ingesting. They're like, well, you know, look, hey, it's ratchet. Got to eat it sometime. It's just not possible. It's just not realistic to get it down to zero. And I could understand, like, looking at it and the trade-off of, like, well, if technology wasn't what it is now, there'd be some rats around a little bit anyway, and we probably wouldn't even know it. Like, as, as long as it's not killing anybody or getting anybody sick, it's it's almost impossible not to get anything that's just gross in any food that's mass produced. I feel like putting a number on how much ratchet you're gonna allow <laughs> in food, a number that's not zero, it just <laughs> it just sounds horrible. Because think about it like this. It's like yeah. if you tell people, all right, look, man, like, you know, you can only do this five times a day, and after that you're gonna get penalized. Like you think they're gonna do it three times a day or or four or two? No, they're gonna do all five. Because that's where the line is drawn. So if you tell them they can have, you know, 37 parts per million rat shit, that's going to be like, make sure it don't go over 37. Like, so can we get that down to 15 or 10? Like, how far up can you go? I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I get what you're saying. It's probably true that it's impossible to make it zero. But I feel like that should be, that should be at least what you're striving for. Don't, don't just give me like 4% rat shit and then just leave it there. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And human hair and shit, all of that. They got rules for all of that. Yeah, but I just I just look at it like, you know, my immune system needs a little bit of a workout. It yeah. needs a challenge every now and then. <laughs> and so when I eat my my great grains and my raisin bran and my, my, my cereal that's just probably rife with roach antennas and, you know, bat <laughs> droppings, I'm still getting the zinc. I'm still getting the vitamin D. You know, it's just a, just a small trade-off. Just a couple antennas. Right. Just, just, just a couple pellets. 
keeps your body on its toes. Yeah. And that's the your immune system gets lazy. Shit, you know. That's, that's, you why, should, that's, that's why all those European shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the district manager came. Everybody jumps up and gets to work, like, oh fuck. <laughs> that shit. I have my Look feet surprised. Up. <laughs> Everybody looked busy. Some rat shit came through. And and and, and look, you, you you wonder why all those like European uh princes and dukes, like, oh, you know, it looks like they've got palsy and their hands are all like one arm's way smaller than the other and all that. Yeah, yeah, maybe some of it's inbreeding in those families. But but probably a big deal is, too, uh, everything has got to be super clean because we're super important. And they didn't get any rat droppings or any roach antennas in their food. And their physical constitution is just, they're decaying. Wow. They're falling apart before our very eyes. You need it. You need, everyone needs a little bit of the commoner's filth. So that you have a stronger constitution. <laughs> the commoners filth. You need to go slumming. You you need you need to be around the germs. You need to. You need a couple of roach droppings. Don't be too good for it. You need a couple of the the rat droppings in your cereal and in your soup. At least five percent. Five percent. At least five So you telling me if I can get a can of minestrone? If I get a can of minestrone. <laughs> <laughs> you mean five percent factory wide or five percent per can? I mean, this I don't know. I don't what know do you, if I like this. What do you want? A Habsburg jaw? What do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Like, like oh, and if you're eating, yeah, it depends on the. It should depend on the food. Like if you're eating, uh, if you're eating like organic granola bars, they should have like a one percent ratchet. But if you're eating. <laughs> If you're eating like uh, fried pork skins, then they get like twelve <laughs> percent. <laughs> the quality of your choice should determine right. the film. Right. It's okay. like yeah, you don't care if you're eating scrapple. That's mostly rat shit. So yeah, if you scrapple and spam, it's like oh no, that's that's part of the recipe. You you can't get that without. You can't even get spam without rat shit in it. I think that's very, that's very just. That's fair. Yeah, like one time we lowered the level of rat shit and spam, and people thought we changed the recipe. They called us, wrote emails and shit. It was like, well, spam don't taste the same. So we had to go back to 8% rat shit. People like, <laughs> back by popular demand. Because <laughs> the consumer base <laughs> insisted the we get our numbers back up to 8%. And we listened. You spoke and we listened. <laughs> We're here for you. <laughs> Fucking spam. Yeah. Just eat eat the rat shit or you're gonna look like Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's all you could do. Yeah, I guess you're, you're probably right. Don't want to look sickly. Okay? Eat yeah. it up. Cause it's not like we got access to a lot of other things that'll test it for us. At least allow the Food and Drug Administration to give us a little bit of almost death. <laughs> that's right. So a little we're bit still, of almost still death. Yeah. Because they don't really want to kill you. They need you to consume. They don't want to kill you. See, you know what? If I was a consultant for the Illuminati, I think I would be able to spin everything. I think I would would be a great public relations person. Yeah. Because think about how you could just flip that. Like, you made a good point. All right, well, people were getting, you know, Miracle Berries. That was rejected. But they know uh, Ted... At the FDA, and so yeah, this shit is just completely made in lab, and it looks like cocaine. Uh, yeah, we'll just use that instead of something natural. Maybe, 
this is the same organization for the good of the people that is keeping away the healthy berries and exposing us to the dangerous chemicals instead that demands that's that scrapples you know eight percent rat shit quota be met in every <laughs> serving and maybe it's because they know look we're gonna have a strong resilient society we're gonna have a population that can look in china they're eating all kinds of crazy shit they're making soldiers out of their people they know you got to eat whatever the fuck i give you on a stick and you need to like it and they're like absolutely we'll do that you have to sneak the poison into the american consciousness you can't just go full caterpillar you just gotta slowly but surely introduce some chemicals and get the immune system game up it's for our good that's why that's why they have to do that it's for the love of the people. We must be poisoned to have strong immune systems. You just got to find another name for rat shit. I think you'll be fine. Yeah, unwanted additives. <laughs> unwanted additives. like So things you don't want, but we put them in there anyway. It's in there. It's less than 1%. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Everything will be fine. Wait, per wait per can? or like that? Don't worry about it. You're good. Just eat You're the good. whole meatball. Don't ask any questions. Chef Boyardee, you'll love it. It's meat in a ball. It's already indistinct from whatever right, yeah. animal it came from. I mean... Yeah, that's true. If you're eating any type of ground meat, pound it into a shape. Yeah. You don't, you don't, really, get, you don't really get to be picky. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to be picky anymore. This came from where? It's in a ball form by the time it got to you. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, you don't even respect yourself enough to eat recognizable cuts of meat. <laughs> And if you're going to eat food shaped like balls of meat, I mean, you're, you're already kind of putting a line in there like what's acceptable and not acceptable. So obviously your meat standards can't be that high. You're willing to eat meat in the shape of balls. Right. That's the only reason to grind up meat is to put shit in there that's not meat. Yeah, that you can't recognize. Right. That's, the, that's literally the, whole the only point. reason. Why would you grind it? You got all this meat. Who has time to do this extra step? You just season the meat. You put that shit on the smoker, right? Put it on the grill. Why are you grinding it for? That's because some other shit going in there, ain't it? What else you put in here? <laughs> what are we going to do with all these beaver anuses that don't taste like vanilla? Just throw them in there. We need to We need to thicken up the, the hamburger. Yeah. 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 When people start getting those terrible cuts of meat that stink, and you're not sure what animal it came from or what part it is, that's when they started grinding meat. Like, let's yeah. make it a sausage. Let's just make a sausage. Fuck it. I can't stand to eat this shit the way it looks. I'm not just going to boil a pot of innards. Just random innards. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but if we grind it up and we put some herbs and spices in it, <laughs> we probably sell it for even more. <laughs> this actually costs more than a steak now. Yeah, that's disrespectful. That's disrespectful. But hey, fucking, it's meat shapes, bro. Meat shapes. That's the future. We all know that. We know meat <laughs> shapes are the future. As the items disappear from the dollar store, they're going to start showing up on the fast food menus. Just meat shaped, <laughs> meat shaped trinkets. <laughs> meat shaped trinkets. You know what I'm saying? Get everybody's, you know, need to have random items. And lots of cheap food. We just merged those two needs. Now you get cheap random items that you can eat. And if you don't eat them, they last forever anyway. So you could go either way. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly it's like 70% preservatives. 
eat it within the first year that you open it, and if not, from then it crystallizes into an ornament you can own forever. Meat or trinket is the future. <laughs> you decide. Meat or trinket. It's a minket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, meat trinkets, bro. And then if you eat it at right the day before the year when you can't eat it anymore, how much bacteria is it accumulated? Like, yeah, maybe it's preserved, but you've been you've been using it as a trinket for almost a year. It's been on your keychain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> remember that one time you lost your keys after the club? Like, yeah. This just a little piece of jerky shaped like a TV remote was under your car for four I hours. Remember the club called you, they found it in the men's bathroom under a right. urinal. Remember? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the same one. Nah, I ate it. <laughs> I ate it. I was in traffic one day. It's like fuck it. It was flavored like spinach dip. I'm gonna let that crystallize and miss out. No, you just get a uh, you get an aspic coating that lasts. It's like a UV coated aspic. You gotta (laughs) you gotta cut it out. It's like when they when they put your keychains in resin. So your little piece of meat will be in some aspic resin, and you gotta actually open it up to eat it. So it'll protect it. Dude, and I got you, you. You put another aspect on it of the aspect. You start having limited edition runs of shapes and flavors, so people <laughs> decide like, if you don't eat this, you're gonna miss out on on pink bubble gum forever. You'll never know what it tasted like. Right, they'll be collectibles. Right, and if you want to keep one, you're gonna have to buy at least two. So everybody's gonna want at least two because the flavors limited edition and gone forever, or the shape of the trinket's gone forever. Those limited runs would sell for buku. Yeah. I can see it now, dude. I can see it now. There's a fucking meat-shaped harmonica. (laughs) (laughs) Or eBay being sold for like eight grand. (laughs) It's like, no, it's it's the fucking meat harmonica. Oh, and you let other people use it and you still eat it before the year's over. People are just spitting and blowing it for 300 days. That's a cool ranch harmonica. <laughs> Man, I got they one in mint make condition. Cool ranch Doritos in six decades. That's in I mint gotta condition. have a bag. It's still in the it's still in the aspic. So mint use condition. it for your concert, but you know I need this harmonica back before its expiration date. I need to know what cool ranch tasted like. <laughs> cool, a cool ranch harmonica at that. <laughs> I love it. Yo. This is a this is a future with, that's manifesting itself right now. We're laughing about it. <laughs> We're laughing about it. But Aspic is coming back. Yo, those NAF shits, I think that's the acronym. Um, that that's already a step towards it. Where they're selling like highlights. You you saw that? NAF? I think that's what it's called. It's like blockchain gifts. Oh, right? the NFTs. So NFTs, my problem. Yeah, yeah. So they've got um, highlights from sports events, like like basketball oh, highlights. Get the fuck out of here. That they're selling, like you own that clip of video footage. You own the only one, supposedly. Like you own the blockchain history right. to that event. Now, I'm sure the NBA will probably still show the highlights every now and then or has ultimate ownership, but because you own that, that, uh, that piece of history, whatever, it's like it's what's replaced um, cards. Right. Like instead of cards, they just have the highlights. That's Great. amazing. 
So people come over your house, you can show them Steph Curry dunking on somebody. Yep, I got this. Nobody else. If you forgot what it looked like, you can only be reminded. A LeBron James highlight sold for $200,000. $200,000. For a, a, a game clip. Clip, not the whole game. No. Not the exclusive rights to show that highlight and be paid residuals. And no one else can do it without your express consent, right? You just have it on your computer. And I'm sure if you could lose uh, Bitcoin money, I'm sure somebody's probably lost one of the blockchain codes for one of these. Oh, yeah. Well, what people are also doing is that they um, they buy these huge digital uh, canvases, not canvas, but like a frame. Like you would hang a painting on your wall. It's like hanging a little special TV on your wall. And that holds it. So when it's like showing somebody a painting when they come to your house. It's just hanging on the wall. It's like, oh, have you seen this fucking LeBron James dunk? It's the same way. So so it could be moving. It could be, yeah, anything. They're just displaying them in these huge fucking uh, either display case or I guess you could probably just hang a high-def TV yeah. and, and, and run it right through there. But, yeah, that's, that's pretty gangster. The, the world is becoming more and more detached from itself. And it's just selling gifts for hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars. But but it makes the illusion more real, though. Right, right, because nobody else has it. Right, but it's 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 provided that all of this infrastructure is indefinite, right? Because if everything fell apart, if you own a painting, you still have the painting. Right. If the internet goes down or the grid goes down, right, and unlikely, but if it happens, you don't have that art anymore. You don't have a means to access it. It's not tangible, but at this point, we've taken it for granted that it's a mainstay, that they're selling it as if it's that tangible. Like this electronic set of blips is worth two hundred thousand. Right. Right. And then they can the person who bought it can then resell it for more. Like so, yeah. they're getting sold over and over and over again. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's dope shit when you think about it. Because it's it's literally generating money out of thin air for people, and it's creating this industry because people are excited about it again. So you may have you might not have been able to sell a JPEG of that shit to somebody because because of the value. You can sell that JPEG ten thousand times, but when you put it in this system, this non fungible token where nobody else can have it, and it creates this idea of exclusivity. Then yeah, that's worth worth millions of dollars. I think they said this guy Beeple, who has the one of the biggest uh, sales so far, he's got multiple. I think it was twenty two million dollars or some crazy shit like that. And he said his the, his last few pieces were selling for hundreds. So up until this NFT shit happened, he was getting hundreds of dollars for his uh, graphics, his little you know his three D graphics and shit like that. And this shit sells for twenty two million or something like that. Just a crazy, crazy upgrade in your whole. This is just imagine that you hustling, hundred bucks here, hundred bucks there, and then twenty-two million falls in your lap from the same shit. It's crazy. It, yeah, I mean, it, it costs that money. Don't give to you even, hope that I don't know what does. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It costs money to get the shit into the market for it. I was because yeah. of course you know I've done a little bit of research on it because you have to buy uh, Ethereum. And to upload it and, and, and convert it and do everything that it does, it, it's like um, it's an Ethereum transaction. So it costs money to perform those actions. 
So for you to get your image into, whether it's a moving image, it might cost a little bit more if it's a little video clip kind of thing. But to get it into the marketplace, it's probably going to cost you about 100 bucks. All right. So when you do limited edition of some of these prints and pieces of art you're creating, you know how you got to sell some of them. Oh, yeah. Limited release. Yeah, I definitely want to. I'm going to have to um, get some Ethereum into the wallet just to try it out and see what happens. But uh, yeah, I mean, other than the carbon footprint of this shit, well, then again, carbon footprints are not bad. I was just, you know, I forgot about the whole new pro global warming thing. But people have been complaining about how much uh, energy it takes to create these things. They said that creating one NFT was the same amount of energy it takes for the average uh, home in, I think they said England or something like that, the average home in London for uh, powered at home for a year is how much it takes to create this NFT shit. Wow. Yeah. It, because of the blockchain technology, it's relying right. on that many computers at once? The servers are putting up that much that much wow. energy to create. For one? That's for one. And that's for one piece where the transaction happens. So if it gets resold or if it's it's like it just compounds exponentially. So just to get one piece of art into the system is enough power for a person to run their home for a year. But you know what it also does is it further legitimizes Bitcoin. Yeah. And or or a cryptocurrency in general. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Some I mean somewhere down the line it's going to find an equilibrium. Because right now it's still so volatile that you, nobody can really count on it. It's uh, it's it's extremely exciting for everybody, but it's not something that you could really build a system on top of at this point. Because I mean, you can if Bitcoin was really the 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 pulse of everything, you could go to the store and buy a loaf of bread that costs four dollars, and then six hours later it could cost seventeen dollars, and then tomorrow it could cost three dollars. Just depending on what's happening with the fucking currency. So it's not like they can build on it. So, but eventually, I think it'll find itself. And it'll... But I mean, it's always going to be manipulatable. It's the stock market shit. It's like, you know, if people start selling it, the price go down. And if people start buying it, the price goes up. Right. But you can't take a little debit card and sell fractions of your stocks that you hold to go right. buy something in the grocery store. And that's a great point because... um Basically, what you said was um, the value of Bitcoin is still it, it's so volatile, but it still translates into what it looks like in dollars to create an established value. Right. So, yeah, Bitcoin went up 50 percent, but a loaf of bread didn't. It's still it's still operating within whatever the U.S. dollar is. Right. And how people are using it. And I think you can get a card now, like a debit card that you can use if you hold, um, I think, Bitcoin. And That's it'll amazing. convert it into whatever the dollars are when you go and you swipe it somewhere. Absolutely amazing. Somebody's uh, people are talking about Bitcoin possibly going over a hundred thousand dollars by the end of the year. I heard four hundred thousand. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that means uh, we should be buying some Bitcoin. I've, I've been buying some Bitcoin. Absolutely. We got to. I got a little bit, but I mean, I have to see where. I've just been trying to watch the fluctuations of it at least, so I can get a good entry point. Because it's been hovering since it jumped up to fifty. That's kind of been, you know, between I think fifty and like fifty-seven or something like that is where it's been going. 
So I kind of been watching it to see if it drops any lower. But I guess if that's the type of talk that's going to happen, you might as well just keep buying it, right? I mean, I haven't gone heavy in it. I just, I just have a uh, basically a thing on where like a half a percent of my income every week will go towards buying a little bit. That's dope. so I'm I'm not putting a lot in it. So I don't really care what it is when I get it because it never costs me that much at once to buy any. Like I'd be pissed if I dropped ten grand on it and it tanked tomorrow. Right. I'd be like, oh, bitch, you know. So. I, I see it as being like a long-term thing. I, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Too many institutions have jumped in to legitimize it, um, but it eventually will have to have some kind of stabilized value if it's going to be circulating for real, because you can't. I mean, they talk about this is the answer to you know currency devaluation and inflation and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, if, if the value of the money itself goes up that much, how could you, how could you keep it in circulation in a reasonable way. I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? You'd have to be constantly devaluing. Like, let's say there was no dollar to convert it to. It was just Bitcoin. Like to make everything affordable for everybody, you would have to be constantly lowering the price of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it, it doesn't make any sense in, in the real world, how it's moving other than people's interests. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing really connected to why it's going to go up or why it's going to go down. Nothing tangible anyway. So people would be pretty fucked. Like imagine if the and if the value goes up, where does that leave the products and everything else? Like how does how do manufacturers or people who do products and services like how do they manage that on their end with with that shit being that volatile? You know how yeah, would, how much would your Airbnb cost today right. versus tomorrow? Like you know who knows. Right, because also what you got to think of is, um, aren't they distributing more, like little by little, or in like incremental steps? Like I don't know what the the timetable is, but every so often it'll introduce some more coin into the internet or something, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, definitely. so every time there's that injection of capital, right? There's eventually going to be a finite number of these bitcoins, right? Like. What denominations would you have to chop all of them down into that would be that would be able to con- you know what I mean like to be able to consistently ascribe a price to everything because yeah. every time a new Bitcoin releases wouldn't that offset the value of everything every time if you were only going by Bitcoin yeah definitely and a lot a lot of the other coins are running off the same uh, framework also but yeah, they don't have the scale. same value yeah you know because there's Ethereum and then there's 15 other coins that right. use Ethereum, but they're not worth as much. So it's just like the popularity. And yeah, it's some really weird shit. It's a great place for people to still for, to be making a lot of money and moving shit around and all of that. But it really is. It seems like a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah, that's does. why I won't put nothing like heavy. I'm not right. trying to trade Bitcoin. Like I'll I'll buy a little bit if it ends up being the currency of the future, you know, Okay, great. I, I have a little bit to get in. If it's not, if it's just, you know, everything falls apart and it just goes to nothing, well, I basically paid like a half a percentage point for insurance just in case. So, right. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I don't blame. And then the X, when uh, XRP, all of that shit is still fucked over because I remember uh, that was the one that was supposed to pop off next. And everybody's like, you know, XRP 
So I got a couple of them. A lot of people I know got a couple of them. And then the fucking SEC did a lawsuit against them. Oh. So they, they got removed from the trade the uh the wallets. A few of the wallets removed them for trading. So I fucking uh, I look at it Coinbase every now and then and XRP is still you know still banned. So this and it, but it shows you how much money you have in it, how much is tied up in there, but you can't trade it, you can't do anything with it. It's just sitting there. And you can't cash it out either. No. Nope. Well, who knows? It may end up being the NRTs of the future. This limited yeah. edition. Now you're telling me in a world that has different flavors of coins, okay, and all this other madness of NRTs and it's monetizing uh, circuit boards and images. You're telling me you can't see a future where it's it's selling limited edition flavors <laughs> in a world where there's just meat shapes and nobody remembers what pink bubblegum tasted like, and you got right. you got some scientists that know all the flavors and can inject them into and have little trinkets, limited edition trinkets and limited edition flavors. That means the trinket and the meat, the flavor experience and the the lifelong souvenir collector's item. Mm. Forever. It, I think whatever corporation invents meat uh, trinkets in that dystopian future, it's the biggest corporation on the face of the planet. It literally runs the world. That's that's the global economy is meat trinkets. Meat it's the trinkets. It's the singular and the number one food supplier of the entire world. It has a monopoly on feeding the planet. It's the most vital thing for sure. But then it also found a way to upgrade and inflate the cost by making its food double as trinkets. Yeah, I'm only making, you know, five cents every time I sell you a pound of, you know, lemon-flavored meat circles. So I got to sell that to feed all the people. But for the people that have all this Bitcoin and all this whatever the currency is of the future, um, I can sell them that same thing in a different shape and in a limited edition flavor. And for that same five cents for pounds of, of fake meat, Someone will buy um, a fifty thousand um, uh, dollar lemonade, pink lemonade flavored high chair trinket, and, <laughs> high and chair. buy two of them because they want to keep the actual shape and not just get the flavor experience. I believe it. I totally believe people would do it. People spend money on the goofiest shit in the world, bro. There's somebody out here right now that just got paid probably ten, fifteen grand for a fucking potato chip that looks like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> guaranteed guaranteed bro people spend the dumbest money on the dumbest shit and there's so many problems that could be solved and every time i see something like that it's just like i can't i can't like as we were talking about recently lady gaga she put up like a fucking five hundred five hundred thousand dollar reward for her loss somebody snatched her dogs and shit and she donated a half a million dollars to find her dogs some people will live and die and never get anywhere close to having made a half a million dollars in their entire life. But for a dog. <laughs> Not without my dogs. For this fucking six, seven hundred. Fucking ridiculous. Five hundred grand so she can lick this dog in the mouth. A dog that probably needs a fucking nasal respirator to live through the night. <laughs> it sleeps with a CPAP machine. Yeah. <laughs> That's why she's paying a half a million. She probably already paid like two and a half million on all the medical equipment needed. Right. Yeah. I can't just let him go. You right. got all this shit set up in here. Where's my dog? <laughs> <laughs> 
I got the iron lung. I got the fucking <laughs> hyperbolic, the hyperbaric chamber for the motherfucker. And y'all gonna snatch my dog? <laughs> that shit is sicko, bro. Sicko. But you know, this is the uh, this is the Martian. This is what they do. <laughs> this is the Martian, bro. This is what yeah, the Martians yeah, yeah. do, bro. Yeah, Martian is my favorite slur. <laughs> Martian is a great slur. It's amazing, dude. It's life changing. It is. It changes everything because you know you can't get in trouble for it, and you're gonna confuse people. It's just so so beautiful. I'm just so happy that we stumbled onto that. Martian's a good one. I, I've just been obsessed with the idea of like the Arctic's being these monuments to white supremacy, like these these big <laughs> these big monoliths. Of, of of white hard ice just at the both ends of the earth just like yeah yeah yep. that's how we know it's ours it's it is. giant white monuments at each end of the sphere giant unlivable habitats <laughs> <laughs> uninhabitable places it's cold the fingers of death <laughs> we love it Let's put one on the top and one on the bottom. <laughs> That's how we mark. Oh, yo, do you know why they say this? This well, there used to be water on Mars, but it's not there anymore. You know where it is? That's how they made Earth. That's why there's ice on both ends at the caps. Oh, they brought it over here in ice. They just... imported the Mars water and wow. put it at the ends of the Earth. I don't know. That be that's kind of deliberate. This That's is a great creation story. It, it really just gets is. better and better. It really is. Uh, that, that, that's what the Anunnaki was doing before they came. They brought all the water with them from Mars. Yeah, gold and ice, is just, it's a mistranslation. They're very similar in ancient Sumerian. <laughs> came here to mine the gold, but we have to bring the ice. We can't <laughs> put out the ice. Like, we need some. It's just too hot around the middle of the planet. We need something different. Like, let's, let's make some black ones, too. Now, the black ones, the black people were already here. Yakub created the white people. Right, right. From, with Martian bloodline. Got to keep our story straight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can't, can't, can't leave Yakub out of it. He's the key. <laughs> Yakub is the key to all of this. He's the missing link. But Mars, yeah, Mars, Mars, calling white people Martians, I think, I think it's probably the best thing that... Uh, that non-black people in America can do for themselves at this point. Just accept the fact that they're all Martians, which is, you know, just a psychological euphoric benefit that you can relax into. You know, you just, it doesn't need any debate. It doesn't need any more fact-checking. Just sit down in your chair, (laughs) in your favorite chair, just take a deep breath and just be like, white people are Martians. And just watch how it puts everything in the perfect perspective for you. So now whenever some, whenever they piss you off or they act wrong around you, just tell them to go back to Mars. I'm willing to make a gentleman's bet with you that in 24 months or less, I guarantee that this will be taught at some sort of divinity school at one of these colleges. I absolutely guarantee oh, wow. it. Will, yeah. It will be the reason 
by Mars. Mars is further from the sun. It's a little bit colder. There used to be ice on Mars. I, I You know what? And I think that maybe this already exists. Maybe that's what that cold sun girl believed. And because I just never got to speak to her, I wasn't able to figure out what the, the whole origin story is. But now I kind of get it. So the theory that white people are aliens, they came from Mars. They brought the ice from their cold-ass planet. They used it to cool down this planet. And, and their leader's name was Yakub. And Yakub used the ice to cool down the planet uh, as a show of dominance, make it more like Mars, and then where all the people were living where it was hot, and that was how the world naturally was. They're like, we're going to make some really, really cold regions that's comfortable for ourselves. That's the origin story. And then they made, they made the ice people, and then the ice people and the sun people fought indefinitely from there on out. That was the that was the beginning of the provocations and the tensions, Yakubian right. Martians. And that's why the and that's why the white folks were able to subjugate everybody else so efficiently is because they had already downloaded their colonizer program from being on Mars. Like they had to, the colonizer program was just fed into their DNA. That's how they all they got to Mars. Right. <laughs> we're not talking about countries, we're talking about planets. Right, right. That's how they got there in the first place. They've just been moving through the solar system, fucking up all the planets. And they've been uh, doing it for so long, they forgot about it, so now they're back trading, they're going backwards to Mars again. And you know what Earth means in um, ancient Norse? Mm. Colony. Exactly. See? Earth See? was just the Martian colony. Yep. And, and Thor means <laughs> Thor means Anglo. I'm pretty sure Thor is, is also a word for Anglo. He's all yeah, Martians, bro. I believe it. I 100 percent accept it. This is church gospel from now on. Etched <laughs> into a stone. Have a yeah. religious group pay to have a monument erected to it, and just let it be out there. Just let it That's be right. out there. Yeah, we can start working it into our prayers. Tell God to remove the Martians, protect <laughs> us from the Martians, all that good shit. You got to speak it into existence. You got to make it real. When you go to Chipotle, we're like, all these Martians in here. It's beautiful, bro. It's such a beautiful legacy to have because it. I don't think it's uh, it's not, it's not all the way negative. Just because just being from Mars doesn't mean it's not negative, intrinsically. It's just that you have a history of destroying planets. That's the bad part. Right, and everybody's distracted, you know, throwing around the term. This is colonist thinking. This is colonialization. This is just colonizing. They're just referring to that term within the framework of different countries on a whole planet that's actually all a colony. You're living on colonization. This whole thing is colonization. It's not a little bit of colonization here, a little bit colonization there. This entire thing is built on colonization from Mars. So it's a distraction. You're being distracted to look at very small microcosms of the greater colony that we all live in. And the only thing that can save us is raising the planet's temperature. That's it. Pro-global warming. Raise your carbon footprint. Be as wasteful as possible. <laughs> Just be as wasteful as possible. <laughs> Plant it up so much that all the marshes have to leave. 
Listen, even if you don't have any hair, grab two cans of hairspray <laughs> and go out on your front front door in your front yard and just start spraying. Just start spraying hairspray into the air, aerosol deodorant if they still make it, whatever you got. Whatever you got that's in a condensed aerosol can, unleash it into the atmosphere. I agree. I agree. The, you, the ozone layer supports white supremacy. If you love humanity and hate white supremacy, you this is the bare minimum you can do to fight back. Spray your hairspray into the atmosphere. Right. Yeah, Fighting. don't spray it on yourself. That's technically that's what hairspray is for. It's not for yourself. You gotta respect yourself. Don't spray that shit on you. Just spray it directly into the air. <laughs> <laughs> spray it directly into the air, yo. And the oh. more often you do it, the faster we get rid of the Martian. So here's the thing. There's a limited addition. There, there's only a limited amount of CO2. And so the and so and they thought, well, if we hide all of this CO2 from destroying the atmosphere, um, eventually somebody that's trying to get rid of us, they could find it and unleash it upon us and get rid of us. I know. This is what we'll do. We'll tell them it holds their hair in place. We'll sell it to people, and then they'll use it all. Well, they'll use the only the kryptonite that could destroy us. People will just spray it into their hair instead of into the air, and then when it runs out, this colony will be ours forever. Because mm. there's only so much hairspray, O2 destroying, see whatever. You can only there's only enough to destroy the atmosphere. There's only just a little bit more than we need. And we're wasting it on our hair instead of spraying it in the air. And that that was their mastermind scheme. Your hair has to be in place. See? Use this instead of overthrowing white supremacy by making the planet as hot as it used to be. See? Don't let the cold kill you, man. <laughs> Don't let the cold kill you. These guys, uh, they knew what they were doing from the beginning. And uh, they, we got caught slipping. We let the planet get a little bit too cool. And they've been taking over. They've been moving all over the place. And now they're trolling us. They're going to the equator for vacations. They're laughing <laughs> at us. They're, <laughs> they're almost getting skin cancer on their two-week vacation. They're laughing about it. And they go back to their caves. So, yeah, this is, this is bad. We got to fix it. The, the temperature of the planet... From tropical sauna to drafty cave, we're gonna make it a drafty cave. Make it as yeah, cold we have as to. possible. Yeah, we'll fix them. We'll fix them. It's on the way. It's coming right now. We figured it out. I've been, I, you know, I, I visit 4chan like once a week, <laughs> and I make sure I see a little bit of information. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be too pushy with it because I don't want them to think that it's a, a campaign. So I just give them a little hints, little breadcrumbs, so they can follow the breadcrumbs and start figuring out that the Martians are trying to take over. The cruise industry is having a hard time right now because they definitely want to cruise, but they're still kind of afraid. So I think if we get people, what we need to do is get a cruise company that only does Antarctica. So we take we take them all up to Antarctica, and then we get to see them in their natural habitat, and see them how happy they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy they are at the ice caps and shit like that. <laughs> we get footage of that, you know. 
that's the footage that people need to see. Like, look at this. Look at the happiness. You can't, you can't hide that. You can't fake that kind of happiness. And then we take them down to Jamaica. <laughs> and you see how their skin starts bubbling. And then black folks would be like, oh, we get it now. And so now then we can take over the game and start really uh, getting, these, uh, getting these rookie temperature numbers up. Whoever controls your climate controls your destiny. That's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) We we don't need to do anything. We don't have to do no weather manipulation. We don't have to do nothing like that. All we got to do is be as wasteful as possible. Buy things that are not going to last, so you have to buy more of them. I mean, we're already on the right, you know, we're already moving in the right direction. But they just tried to trick us and make us think that global warming was bad. See, we gotta, we gotta usher. We have to put global warming on the fast track. <laughs> we gotta get it here immediately. Somebody's gotta get this information to Nick Cannon. Oh God! Now he'll get fired again. He can't be talking. <laughs> oh, Nick can't be talking about this kind of shit. He'll get fired. He'll get fired again. I think he came back and apologized to everybody and blamed it all on Professor Griff. Oh, I hope he didn't do that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he did. The last couple of videos I was seeing, that's what the people were saying. They're saying that uh, if I can quote, if I can quote our friend, well, one of one of the um, the black media information disseminators. Her name is Vicky Dillard. This person is hilarious. First of all, she's super funny. She says talk black to me all the time. In the middle of her rant, she's like, "Somebody talk black to me." That's like her. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. So according to her, to quote Vicky Dillard, uh, Nick Cannon received his butter biscuits. <laughs> that was how she described it. He's received his butter biscuits because of how he uh, apologized to some Jewish people. I think he went and had a couple of interviews where they taught they, you know, he taught him about their culture and like, you know, they, he had a sit down. And he was yeah, like, I man. Didn't see that. I didn't right. watch the whole thing, but I heard about it. And somewhere in there, I guess they're saying that he said he was misled or whatever by having progress, whatever. He mentioned Professor Griff's name in a sort of way that kind of shifted the blame onto him. And hasn't he been thrown under the bus enough? Well, that's the thing. It's like Professor Griff, he's like that, uh, like when you go to the, when you go to the dojo and there's that one training dummy that has like, it's like swords already stuck in it. It's got arrows in it. It's leaning over and shit. It's that one. It's already been fucking knocked over and shit. So you might as well throw a couple more blows at it. Every every person that's that's a millionaire and has gotten by by like uh, scapegoating Professor Griff, even though everybody kind of delves in some of those ideas, whether privately privately or publicly, he should be getting checks. Every like your career should be a thank you. Like you didn't have to get in trouble. You just could put all the blame on Professor Griff and then bounce out as if as if none of that kind of stuff was discussed or thought about, like as if as if he's just on some far out. Nobody's there shit. You know, you could just you could just eh, yeah, fine, because I because I did watch the thing where you had uh, Professor Griff on. I don't know if I watched the whole thing, but I watched some of it. So maybe I'm just talking out my ass. But I didn't hear Professor Griff say anything remotely as controversial as what um 
Nick Cannon was yeah saying. oh yeah Nick he was leading the conversation but he knew like the way he was talking to him he was kind of alluding to like professor he's like you know what I'm talking about like I got most of this shit from you so he was kind of just filling in the blanks instead of letting Griff say it but right. you know professor Griff talks a lot of shit bro he talks a lot of shit and and I feel like whether you know how, how much of it's true we'll never know but he I, I feel like he enjoys the position that he's been in all this time. You know, he's he mentions yeah. all the time how, you know, somebody tried to poison him or he fucking like all the kind it all feeds into his idea that he's saying shit that nobody wants him to say and that he's a rebel and even if they try to kill me, I'm still gonna bring y'all the information. And it's like I don't really see it that deep. Like I I'm sure he's saying shit that's pissing people off. And I'm sure uh, there's a, a lot of places he's probably been blackballed from. He may have been more popular as far as his social media shit and making videos if he wasn't talking about certain groups of people or certain types of conversations. So I get all of that, but the whole like they tried to kill me shit, I'm not really uh, that shit I don't really fuck. I, I can't I can't accept that as some type of, oh he just made it out by the skin of his teeth type shit. I just kind of don't believe like, if you had a fire in your house, it doesn't mean that, you know, Jews tried to burn your house down. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> that you could prove. Right. I mean, I just, I can't say it didn't happen or that he's crazy for thinking it, but I just feel like it's, humans are mad easy to kill, bro. Yeah, we're pretty fragile. Humans are mad easy to kill. And I don't give a fuck if Griff knows Kung Fu or what. It doesn't matter, bro. If, if, there's a, if, there's, if there are powerful people who literally run the world and they want you dead, I mean, let's just keep, let's keep it real, son. You're a... Like, there's nothing you could do. Right. There's Time. nothing you could do. Absolutely nothing. So all of that, they tried to get me a few times, but, you know, they can't get me because I'm Professor Griff. It's like, all right, buddy. That's kind of And, and who knows how much is, like, performance art. Anybody that's in the public eye or has, a you know, public relations, you know, when they're managing their image, you know, people sprinkle in mythology and have grandiose recollections of maybe how something happens, you know? And, right. you know, and, and, and or it could be strategic, you know, I I don't know. I don't care. My my whole thing is just um, him being like uniquely identified as something because I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, didn't Nick Cannon invite him on his show? Yeah. So Nick Cannon was already interested in his ideas to the degree that he was like, hey, I want to bring you on the show and I'm going to regurgitate a lot of this shit to you. Right. And since you're not correcting me, um, whether you co-sign it or not, it's the, the appearances that you're um, you agree with me on absolutely everything I'm saying. So right. I can just throw you out as, oh, well, that's that's all on him. I was led astray. I was misled. I, I don't know. I think that's a cheap cop-out. I think what it might have been uh, more honest is just to say, well, you know, this resonates with me. I kind of see what he's saying. And I don't know if it's 100% true or not. I don't know if it's um, all made up horseshit. But for whatever reason, it resonates with me. So if y'all want to debate upon like the origins of the Bible and any of these ideas about science or history or origins, um, I'm fine to listen. But right now, you know, what he sold me on makes more sense to me than what you're saying it is. So, because yeah. that's, isn't that all what we're arguing about is, is uh, interpretation of documents? 
when it gets into the Jewish identity and history and the origins of humanity. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody, every single culture on the planet has a creation myth. Yeah, absolutely. And and almost all of them have uh, some type of person or people that their creator seems to favor. Most of them. They all have, like, you know, they got these special guys and special groups that the God likes a whole lot. So the only one, it seems like the only one who's been able to successfully convince other people to believe it for any extended period of time is, you know, the juice. And and that's the only point I'm trying to make, and I hate to be um, a stereotype of self-hating, because I, I don't feel like, if, if I hate myself, it's mostly for just me. Not anybody that maybe looks like me. No, it's, it's just me. It's hate <laughs> for me. It's very specific. But um, that is one thing that is kind of it, it's kind of absurd is that everybody can't assert that they're, they're God's special people or it's impolite. I got to say, we are the only people that can make that assertion unapologetically and everybody accept it and nobody be offended by it. Right. But anybody else making that exact same assertion it's and it doesn't just matter if you're a black Muslim. If you're a cis white male, you can't say you're the shit and you're the best either. Right. And the the funny part is with the Hebrew Israelites and shit like that. They say that the legacy was stolen and they're actually God's favorite people. And people call them racist. <laughs> right. And no and nobody says God doesn't really care for any of us or God kind of likes us all the same no. or. God likes us based upon what we do and how we treat other people. It's, nah, I kind of just look like this, so I'm the shit and God loves me. It just yeah. so happened to work out that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a pretty it's a pretty goofy concept, if you ask me. Overall, no matter what side of it that I would land on or where I would find myself in that uh, tier, that hierarchy of favor, I feel like it'd be stupid. I feel like it, no matter where you find yourself in it, it, it deserves another question to be asked. It's like, so wait, so we're just divided in here by race? Is that what you're telling me? It's like the the the, the mind, the entity that created everything in existence has favored races just seems like a fucking stupid conversation to me. Well, you know, that's why, like, you know, I wouldn't disrespect anybody's uh, religious beliefs. Uh, whatever your religious belief is, if it translates into you uh, doing what's right, then uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're getting the point. If it doesn't translate into that, it's just a waste of intellectual energy. But from a purely um, theological and philosophical vantage point, that's why I always I, I have to say Christianity is a superior version of Judaism when it comes right. to stuff like that. Because yeah. the notion that God chooses people based upon a particular tribe and that's it. You know, like the New Testament really um, uh, got banged across the idea or, or, or drilled the idea into people's heads that that sort of thinking was incorrect. I don't care if you chop off your dick skin. I don't care if you originate from this people or that people. That's all irrelevant. Like It has to do with you ascribing to a certain set of principles of compassion and peace. and like That's the identifier for God's people. Uh, your behavior and your commitment to values, not uh, I just happen to be born like this. 
So the, the fact that those sorts of concepts in Judaism were directly undermined by Christianity, I'm like, yeah, that's that's superior. Now they both could be totally full of shit. I'm not I'm not saying one is or one isn't, right? They could both be completely full of shit and untrue. I'll leave it to every individual. You decide whatever you think about, you know, anything with religion. But um, just the idea on that principle that I think nobody would publicly declare to the contrary, like righteousness or the concept of being a good person or being valued should directly be connected to your biological tribe. Right. Right. Very few people would openly be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it's supposed to be. And just yeah. about even even people in a practical sense, like you could be like, man, fuck white people. I just love black people. But you're not going to be around black people that fucking snake you over and over. You'd be like, OK, I, I get that we're both black, but you're you're a fucking despicable asshole. So I'm not just going to be like, yep, you're righteous. At some point, your mind's going to start evaluating people by their actions and their character. So hopefully. On, and, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, hopefully, because this is the, this is the shit that we get in uh, arguments about, or or have conversations about when it comes to people like Terry Crews and all this kind of shit. People call you, a, you know, this, they they accuse you of conquering our own negativity just because you make distinctions between certain activities and certain behaviors. Some shit is just not good, no matter who's doing it, and some shit is preferable to fucking civilized society no matter who's doing it. So when you start to introduce those types of ideas, this is how you get, you know, this is how you're getting close to being ostracized at that point. Because everything's supposed to be, when it comes to those those groups, everything's supposed to be homogenous. And like, we'll get to the rest of the shit later if we ever get to it. Because you got to remember too, a lot of the behaviors that you would think would be negative are also celebrated. So it's like, what do we do then? You already showed us that, you know, criminality and knucklehead shit, like all of that has been adopted into uh, as a uh, acceptable part of the culture. It's not like we got to get rid of these motherfuckers. If you start saying shit like that, we got to start like, oh, well, they're only doing what they got to do. Or like the excuses will start coming down. And, you know, if you want to wipe all of this shit away, you wiping away blackness with it. And this is a real conversation. This is people's real perspective. I heard somebody say on a, well, I think I'm pretty sure we brought this up before because it's so fucking ridiculous. On a podcast they were on, they were complaining about gentrification because the last time she went home to visit Brooklyn, she saw a white woman jogging around at fucking 12 o'clock at night. And she was like, the fact that this woman felt safe to jog around at 12 o'clock at night, let her know that her neighborhood, old neighborhood was gone. And she felt a sense of loss. Yeah, it's gone forever. She felt a sense of loss because a woman felt confident enough to jog at midnight. That's like a person that weighed 600 pounds that now weighs 200 pounds looking at the 400 pounds of fat in a sack that they lost and was like, I don't know that I can live without that. (laughs) A part of uh, me is gone forever. You know you're going to live longer without that, right? Like, that's the whole point. (laughs) Like, no, she she was, uh, you know... That was her sign that her old hood was gone. It's been gentrified. Look what they did to us. Right, but white you, women jogging around with no fear of being attacked. And, and, and this is why I say you can never throw away Professor Griff. Even if some of the shit he says is, is undeniably scientifically disproved. It's disproved. It's false. There's just no justifying it. It's, it's an asinine assertion based upon the evidences available. 
and everybody tries to say that they got some secret knowledge that not everybody else has. But for the most part, when you really get into a scholarly pursuit in, in anything, you're going you're gonna to run up against the wall of this is as far as we've gotten. This is as far as we know. And the next famous person will be whoever takes that field of study to that next level by breaking through that wall and finding something else. But you can't throw Professor Griff away because he's one of, he's one of the voices um, in culture that is saying, um, yeah, the, um, the kind of music that's promoted and that's, that's profitable and that what people are craving, that low vibration kind of music, like that has a negative effect. So the idea that there's these certain things of destructive behavior that's now irrevocably married to um, mainstream considered blackness, obviously not the ideal for blackness for every single black person. That idea in and of itself is just stupid. It's asinine that people aren't individuals. But when you talk about a commercialization of a crystallized, quantifiable, um, commodified blackness that you can sell in movies, that you can sell on TV, that you can arguably make people millionaires and billionaires because they walk through that door of embracing blackness as an identity. When you create that kind of profit motive, there's that kind of demand and desire for it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's kind of hard that any of that culture would just evaporate. Because there's, there's the constant reiteration that on some level, there's a value to this. Right. There's absolutely a value to it. Now, yeah, you could say most of the people that value it never see money from it. Maybe not directly, right? And And arguably, there's a lot of negative consequences that come from it. But there's also still some sort of mystique and... and and um, um, mystique and adoration that comes from the culture at large, from all people, to just say, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, I kind of like that. Even though this shit is fucking up a whole bunch of people, I still kind of like that. that. That's some cool looking shit. That's fucking awesome, dude. When I'm alone with my friends <laughs> in the office by the water cooler, we say the same things. And none of us are going to get shot for it, but we say it. We're a part of it. We still love that bottled coolness that's on the even if it's self-destructive. So a voice that's saying, hey, uh, this shit is really destructive. And even though there's a profit motive for it to be embraced as a as a national cultural identity, it's it's literally fucking poison. And and if anybody from any race adopts it, it's gonna be poison to everybody. It's not like it's just good for us as long as we do it. But if there's a financial incentive there. And there's a cultural identity that's like reiterated over and over and over. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it just feels kind of gross. Yeah, it's terrible. And a perfect example is I was listening to a podcast the other day. The whole episode was about uh, how these people feel about uh, how the, it's the cognitive dissonance attached to the N-word. And seeing how the guy was saying he was riding a train, he saw a bunch of Spanish people calling each other the word and it pissed him off. And, you know, he wanted to tell him to stop using it, but he doesn't feel the same way when he hears it in songs by artists. And he said he was riding, a, you know, the, the Peloton thing, how you get the bike and, you know, you can have a, a virtual class that you're in. So he was doing some kind of virtual uh, spin class. And uh, the director of the class played J. Cole music and the J. Cole music had the N-word in it. Now, again, 
he's in his own space in a class virtually with a bunch of other people and he heard this song he said it bothered him because he thought that other people like white people might be in this class too and and heard this word and he was uncomfortable with them hearing the word in the song like oh, this whole psychological thing about why some people that he can't see who might be white might be hearing this word and might not be educated on it enough so it, it bothered him in his own house alone hearing the word you know and 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 you can um admonish me for the degrees of racism i'm sure i'm going to reveal but if i'm being perfectly honest i don't want to be insensitive or like I don't want to be dismissive of anyone's feelings, but I also want to be practical as possible. But I think you can look at it from an extreme negative or an extreme positive. And this might be some like super white privilege lemonade shit. Like, oh, just lemons and lemon. Ever since there was an opportunity um, for white people to interact with black people in, in a Maybe not in a in an intimate in a, or but but any kind of way where black people were any kind of mainstream culture, um, by far the most influential shit, and like people complain, oh, we want to use our music for the to advertise and da 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 da, da. yeah, because it resonates and connects with people on a mass level. Like as far as like the commodity of influence, I don't know that you can look at American culture and not clearly argue. That anything that's come from black culture has been the most desirable culture when it comes to just dope shit. Just dope shit. Dope shit that gets into the mainstream that everybody wants to be a part of. Like, yeah, you see some Spanish kids on the train and they're being um, they're being knuckleheads. They don't know what they're really talking about. You see some corny white dude on a spin class over the Zoom or whatever. And you're like, oh, why are you comfortable with that? Or why are you comfortable with that? And not seeing like yo, this shit that we made that was completely ours in our little isolated pocket of the American experience, uh, the world gets a little taste of it and it goes all over the globe. All over the globe to where you got like Japanese kids in tank tops and fucking yeah. glasses trying to do little videos and embodying the same swag. Now that swag, it can't get you a good paying job. You can't go into any interview on any place that's going to pay you a decent wage and do that. You just can't. Right. But so why would something that's so clearly not good for you practically and financially, like as far as if you're a Japanese kid, but to be I, I want to be a part of or emulate that or that's just the coolest shit ever to me. Like nobody sees it as just that. I know like um, eh, what is it? Imitation is the highest form of flattery or whatever. Yeah. But to have that level of influence worldwide for some shit that other that people can talk about is like in a throwaway sense like oh that's a horrible neighborhood and horrible shit happens there and nothing good comes out of there yeah just you know culture that was created that influences the entire world and every if you're going to make a movie if you're going to make a commercial if you're going through this channel of cultural influence gets you the most looks gets you the most reach yeah. like how is that not uh, an uh, an incredible testament to um the skillfulness and the mastery of being that indispensable within a culture and to create something that the rest of the culture 
finds indispensable and connects with people that don't live with you where you live or look how you look or experience what you experience, but you still resonate on that level in a massive way. Like, I, I, I can't look at that and find, like, I feel like when you get upset in a spin class over some hearing some shit in the background, like, you got to look at what I just described and find a way to make that negative. You know what I mean? Like, find a way to make that shit shitty. Like, you're finding something that's incredibly powerful and has a huge amount of potential to generate wealth, and you're dismissing it as, like, oh, you're trivial. How dare you participate in some shit that is a part of my cultural contribution? How dare you? Right. And he, he seemed to be... Uh, they seem to both be conflicted about the idea... Like, well, not even conflicted, honestly. I think they accepted it, but they still identified it as, you know, some contradictory shit. The fact that you can hear it and not be offended by it, depending on who's saying it or, or who's around when it's said. And I feel like if you got to play those type of psychological games, you're just fucking yourself. If, if there's a word that you can hear that'll make you feel different according to the race of the person saying the word your relationship with that word is completely messed up. And I think you should probably be examining how you feel about it on both ends. Don't just examine or don't just be like, yeah, this, you shouldn't be saying it because it pisses me off. You should be asking yourself why it's okay anytime ever if it pisses you off. When to, to hear, and again, this is not being, you know, somebody addressing you as the word. Just either hearing another person speak it whether they're singing a song or saying it in a sentence or being in the presence of a person when the word is being uh, said in a song or something. <laughs> like, I would, when, when I was standing here listening to this J. Cole song, I thought it was dope. He says nigga 43 times. But then when a white person walked up, now I don't like that the song is playing because it's, that seems like a, a bad place to be in psychologically to me. But, but it, it feels dishonest, though, too, because I don't know any reasonable person who can't understand when somebody's using it in a way where they want to sound cool and sound a part of the culture versus somebody that's saying it in a hateful way. And it's the same, it's the same way with the F word and homosexuals. It's the exact same way. You know, like, it's a word that's used. It can be a pejorative or it can be something that somebody embraces. It's just whether or not, like, but you know, if someone's jokingly saying the word, the F word because they're trying to emasculate one of their heterosexual friends versus someone that's actually gay and they have hatred towards them. And that's why they wanted to utilize that word. And like people know, but the, the really, the, the thing that is just odd to me is like, okay, well you took the, you, you definitely know the distinction. You can't say that you don't know the distinction. Um, if you're being honest, I think you do, but why, like, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. It was the it was the sacrament. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a confusing thing for me because I've never been able to understand that. It's a it's sort of an emotional argument, and I guess a lot of people say uh, that nobody else, like you know, a person who's not black, shouldn't want to say it or they shouldn't want to. Like I, I hear that a lot. Like you know, they shouldn't want to be involved in it at all. Either way. Oh. I apologize. I don't mean to, but I just remembered. It's that's what it is. It, it's because obviously everybody that is sophisticated enough to rationalize why they're offended, they're sophisticated enough to understand the difference between if it's 
injected into a conversation for hateful reasons or if it's just an emulation and an homage to some shit that you invented. But I think the people that want to embrace it as it's ours, only we can say it, are really on some I want to remain other shit. And it could be for a variety of reasons. It doesn't just have to be, well, fuck white people, I hate all white people. It could be something like, okay, well, bitch, you feel comfortable enough to jog through my neighborhood. Well, I had to grow up here and I I, I didn't feel safe a whole bunch. So I kind of resent the fact that I didn't feel safe and I had to go through this, but you just waltz through and you have access to something that I didn't have. You know, or you're emulating a culture where, um, yeah, you never got arrested or you never got shot at. And that doesn't mean necessarily everybody from there had that experience, right? But it, but the, the resent towards the fact that, well, you never had to be in this kind of danger, which is kind of fucked up when you really think about it. It that is. Shouldn't, <laughs> that, that shouldn't be the standard, right? Like, I, I resent the fact that you want to share in this cultural creation of mine because you weren't in the misery firsthand. And it's like a rite of passage. Like the closer you are to the misery, the more authentic your claim is on the culture. And if that's a prerequisite, like it would be like Mexicans coming to America, right? And and, and a Mexican family starting a taco stand. And it's some stereotypical shit. Oh, you're Mexican, you must love tacos and burritos. Well, as a matter of fact, I do like them shits and they're fucking delicious. And I'm gonna sell them to everybody that wants a fucking burrito. And I'm going to make a million dollars because I created some shit that you want and that you just got to have. Right. But if you came and were just like, fuck, I'm only selling fucking burritos to Mexicans. <laughs> like, that's it. Only, only other men. I'm only going to sell. Then it becomes like, OK, well, yeah, it's yours, you know, but there's a whole bunch of that. You have a whole bunch more reach when you get out of that, like othering. Like, I'm a part of this subgroup. I'm going to be in my enclave. I'm only going to deal with my enclave. And whatever product I cultivate that the rest of the world may want, no, you can't have it. It's mine. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and, and that's what I feel like that is. It's like, I, for whatever reason, and everyone could have their own rationale behind it, it's still, um, I want to be an other. I don't want you to be a part of my shit. I don't want to be a part of your shit. And I want to make sure there's a clear verbal distinction on how we draw that line. If we can't have a distinction in where we live or how we interact on the job or any of those other things, I just want this. Give me this. This one thing I can claim otherness on and that you can't intrude on, even if it's a double stand, give me that and I'm comfortable with that. I think that's what, and I'm speculating, of course I don't know, but that's what it feels like. Yeah, I would. I'd, it's probably something similar to that because it doesn't make much sense to me either. I've never been able to make any sense of it, and I've also never heard a person that I've spoken to about it make a sound argument. I've never ever heard a single person make a sound argument on why it's okay on one side, but not on the other side. And if you just lay it out flat, and you and and then if you reverse it, it's even worse, right? You just say like, okay, are there any words? that you think that you would say in your opinion that black people are not allowed to say (laughs) any words at all. They're just not allowed to say like, no, that would be racist to tell people that they can't say a word because they're black. It's like, okay, so let's just back up a little bit. Let me ask you the same question, but a little bit different, but they completely understand why nobody white should be allowed to say the N word. Everybody gets that. We all agree on that. You should never say it. You should know, no matter what bottom line, never say it. But I don't know, dude. It's, it's weird to me. 
because it, it always bothers me. That's the thing with me. It always bothers me. Even if I'm listening to rap music, it, it stands out a lot. It doesn't make me cringe, but it, it definitely stands out. Anytime I hear it, it kind of takes me out of, just for a second, takes me out of whatever it is I'm listening to or watching, or it's just like a, I don't know. It just always stands out to me, no matter who's delivering it, what the sentiment is behind it, always, under every circumstance. So I can't even imagine having those types of uh, lines drawn to where like, no, this if it's, if it's this person is fine, if it's that person, we got to start a fight. I just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But people are very rooted in that being a truth. Like something that doesn't need explaining, it's just common sense. It's, it's religious and, dogma at this point. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're not supposed to question it. But I guess... I guess, and the, and the reason, like I said, I was listening to this podcast about it, and uh, it was it was interesting to listen to these people who were explaining why they were wrong, but their their idea was that they were right. They were saying all the reasons why you shouldn't hold this as a thought pattern or an ideology, but they completely this is accepted. Why I have to though. They, yeah, they accepted why they have it. I don't know. It was weird. It was. It was. Weird. It's like, what, are you one on one one side or the other? But isn't How do that you the, know it's fucked that, up? But isn't that the definition of like cognitive dissonance? Yeah, you're holding two thoughts in your head at the same time that don't really mix, and they shouldn't be in there at the same time. But you got them both. Yeah, I guess that's exactly what it is. It's a real cognitive dissonance about it, and they spoke very eloquently. <laughs> Very eloquently about it. These wasn't no goofballs, but the just the analysis versus where they arrived to. I was like, wow. I'm sure it's, it's well thought out, but I, I mean, I think at some point too, it's just conditioning. Like we're we're conditioned to be shocked at certain words and and comfortable with others. Like it is a product of the repetition and the cultural connotation of whether it was okay or not okay. Right. And so if you were raised within a generation where certain words were not okay, you're more sensitive to them than if you grew up in a words, you know, world where it, people just had it casually, you know? Yeah. So, like, I know, like, I'll read, um, like, I like uh, Hunter S. Thompson, and he drops the N-bomb real early in, um, I don't know if I ever told you this, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. Yeah. That I, did you ever read that book? No, no. Okay. But I, did I tell you about how he drops it, like, in the first chapter or two no <laughs> okay so so not only does he drop it and i was reading it at the height of my wokeism so i was particularly like taken aback and i tried to reconcile like i really like this dude's writings the other books and articles i read of him i like his writing style this is like i don't know what to think of him as a person anymore like i kind of want to throw him completely out so wow. he so he writes um He's talking about, yes, yeah, some evil N-word threw blah, blah, blah through my window, like through the typewriter, through the window of the car, or broke the window of the car to get to a typewriter, something like that. So in the context, right, so not as he only dropping the N-bomb, but it's not like he's singing along to a song when he drops it. It's a hard R, and it's connected to evil preceding it immediately and complaining about, you know, I, I was robbed or vandalized by this dude. Now, he didn't even see who did it. He just assumed he was in D.C. and there was some vandalism against him. It had to be some evil, uh. Now, that's the only other time I remember him saying the word 
at all or even in the, in the, in that kind of context. And there's nothing else that I read with him that struck me as like, okay, this is overtly racist. Like he has racist attitudes. Like he was a pretty uh, liberal dude, like in his thinking. I think he killed himself because like George Bush got elected twice. Um, so he was pretty far to the left. <laughs> and, but I read that and I'm like, ah, like this is just, but it's 1972. You know what I mean? And yeah. I don't know that that completely defines him as a person, or if you looked at that, that that would really tell you all that you needed to know about the extent of his tribal enlightenment, right? But at the but from my cultural vantage point in looking at it, it it like it's it's completely shocking. It's completely shocking to see a white a white guy be that free with the word in a negative con on something that was published. You know what I'm saying? But it had to be so not beyond the pale for the era that it made it through. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and at that time, you know, this is after the civil rights legislation, people are moving more and more to political correctness. You know what I'm saying? That everything with the Panthers went down at that point or it was still going on. So, you know, I, I don't, eh, eh. I mean, that's where it comes in is like, it, it, where do we get where it's just language and it's not the, the, the total substance of a person, but we kind of get that we're, we're all experiencing whether we're sensitive to it or whether we're casual with it and maybe don't mean anything even in a hateful way by it. Because I, I don't think he would have been in good standing with, with his political wing, right, if he was just an open racist. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He wouldn't have been in good in standing with the McGovern uh, people that were trying to get him elected. So, I mean, how much of just the sound of the word makes me upset? And I, I'm really connecting to be comfortable when one group say it, but if I perceive that they're not in my tribe, I'm really uncomfortable with people saying it. And just how much is that just years and years and years and years and years of, of flavoring, you know, culturally conditioned how our ears hear it and how our mind thinks about it and how we um, we viscerally respond to it. You know what I mean? Like really on a gut level. Oh, yeah. You know, because I don't think people are just going out of their way to be offended. Right. I think some a lot of people are sincerely offended, like, you know, but I think it, it's, it's based upon seeing things in a certain way. And then from what vantage point you're coming from in terms of your, your cultural condition uh, as to whether you're comfortable with certain sounds or not. So. I don't know. I yeah. have no idea what I'm talking about. No, it's rough. It's rough because it's some, it is something that we got to deal with fairly frequently because of how everybody's socialized right now. I think most of the people who are, you know, especially with social media and the way the music is right now and the way hip-hop is and how it's expressing itself right now is making it even more of an issue because the the market is so, so much young people and they're integrated more now probably than they've ever been. The fan base, you know, the fan, like you said, it's all over the world. It's everybody. But it seems like the young, rebellious white kids love this shit more than everybody else. And they're consuming this shit for hours a day. It's on all the TikTok videos. It's all over Instagram. It's everything. So if they want to be seen, this is the energy that they're going to have to embody. And... They don't have no connection to, you know, not having a connection to people who might try to school them one way or the other on the culture. They, 
they, they don't see a reason why they shouldn't repeat the words of the song just as they are. I don't think it occurs to any of them to try to curb their language or any shit like that, especially if they don't have friends and family who might have an idea about this shit. They're just on TikTok making a fucking video. They don't give a shit, but people are fucking pissed about it. That's for sure. <laughs> people are very fucking angry about it, but I don't think you're going to be able to stop it. I think the only way to get rid of all attention is for people to just give up on it. And the only way they're going to give up on it is if it becomes so watered down and so taken over that it's unattractive. Because that seems to be working as far as the uh, cultural appropriation concept goes in a lot of other places. If it's something that, uh, you know, the, the young, in-touch, black Twitter crowd or whatever that they think is cool and that they're really into, if if a different group of people get into it too much and start using it too much, they'll abandon it. And I think it was the same. But that's always been true. Right, yeah, for a lot of different groups of people, not just like here with this thing, but for people will abandon something if they think somebody else that they don't really mesh with is getting too much into it. So I think that's probably going to be the only way to make this shit work in the the direction that it's supposed to be working. I I think think it's going to have to get abandoned. I think to help Jewish people can start calling each other kikes. And if we start calling each other kikes and ever there develops a culture where in Japan you see two dudes um, being very stiff with giant black hats on and giant beards calling each other kikes and we're okay with it, we co-sign it, I I don't mind if those Japanese guys call each other kikes. I'm flattered. I'm flattered they've adopted our garb and our speech. I'm flattered. That's pretty funny. That would help. I think that would help move the ball forward, and maybe black people would feel like, okay, since they're one of the main ones that complain and get people fired if they don't like some shit that's being said, if they can let this worldwide kike thing go, ah, maybe I can loosen up. Just don't say it to me. Worldwide kike. Amongst your friends, (laughs) then I'll be be all right. The worldwide kike thing. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Well, I, I didn't mean it like on a on a on a uh, like a QAnon thing. I didn't mean it that way. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't mean the worldwide kike thing, like the global uh, Jewish cabal. I I just meant it like the phenomenon of the whole globe embracing Jewish culture and emulating Jewish dudes using a a a, um, a slur um, in a friendly way to one another. Just create that every, apples. Everybody apples should. Comparison. Yeah. Everybody should. Everybody, everybody who has, I think if your culture has a slur, you should use it on yourself and on each other. Embrace it full time. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I think everybody could benefit from it. It's a great idea. And I don't even know. That actually, it would, it would, I think it would create solidarity. Because I don't even know what the slurs are for a lot of other people's races and culture. I don't even know what those words would be. Uh, I know them all. <laughs> I, I know them all. It sounds like something you study. A lot of books. A lot of books on the matter. Well, listen, I, I'd like to know a few more. I'd like to know a few more. I'd like to hear people referring to themselves as it as often as possible. Um, oh. I mean, you can pretty much get it. If you watch any unedited movie from the 70s, you, you have them all. I'm sure in your own viewing history, You've heard for every major racial group around the planet. Yeah. You've heard one, too. 
if you want to yeah. go some Asia shit, just watch a Vietnam movie, <laughs> watch a watch a Korean War movie. Just just watch it. Just watch it. You'll get some. You'll get some choice ones. Yeah, you just gotta start taking some notes. They're in there. They're in there. So yeah, there's slurs for everybody. There's slurs for everybody. Embrace them. Call people of your own biological tribe, your your soup color de- designation. Call them that slur. And 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 the only downside to this though is I already know. I, and I don't know if I just I think in terms of um, worldwide uh, ending uh, global polar cap supremacy, but my mind already goes to yeah, but um, pretty much everybody's copying black people because black people popularized the notion of taking a negative word and using it. Um, endlessly between each other and forbidding other groups. So when you do it, it's still an archetype of some black shit. So you guys are still biting our shit. Yeah, kind of. That'll be the negative spin to it. So there's, but but overall, it's yeah, just you know, what up, cracker? Just you're gonna have to pink. I think we need something more insulting than cracker. Mayonnaise, mayonnaise seems to be popular at the moment. What yeah. up, mayo? Just do it. <laughs> just do Pumpkin it. and mayo. Pumpkin, mayo, Hellman's. There's all kinds of variants that you can make up. And that, that'll be your, your homework. Make that shit stylish. Make it so infectious and cool that the entire planet wants to do it. And call each other mayos like you guys call each other mayos. Yeah, that's true. I think everybody, every we can all grow if we start referring to each other as the racial slurs designated for our particular race. And if your group doesn't have an offensive enough slur... Contribute to the cause even more. Make one up. Think right. about what makes your group intolerable and annoying and come up with some shit. Come up with some hateful shit. Think For like you, a Martian. Self hate. Think like yeah. a Martian. Martian. Come up with a good one <laughs> and, and, and attach it to your own race, uh, your own culture. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we already solved this problem last week. What up, Martian? <laughs> what up, Mars? Go back to Mars, Karen. Yo, what's today's colonization, son? What's today's colonization? What's on the colonization agenda, my Martian brother? <laughs> I'm Dude, studying 33 right now. <laughs> I love it. So, yo, before we wrap up tonight, what are the chances that we could get a uh, one of these top 10, <laughs> top 10 reviewer monologues broken down for the show? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll go through. I, I forget what page it's on, but I know there's some way to go in my history and uh, pull up the review history. Top 10%. Top Beautiful. 10% in fast food reviews. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's such a dope accomplishment. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on, some, on, some, on some stupid shit, you were like, yo, this is performance art. That shit, that shit has grown into a dedicated... I, that's actually where I'm most diligent with my writing. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a complete piece of shit. That's a good practice, though. Yeah. It's good practice. And after reading some of that shit, I'd really like to know who else is in the top 10. The top 10%. I'd really like to know who else. Because this shit is, is, is golden, bro. It's golden. It's, I can't it's imagine a- what anybody else is writing to deserve to, to be in the same percentile. <laughs> There, there's got to be, um, I got to think it's just the number of eyes getting onto it. I think the more diligent I am and I get it out, I'll be in the top 1%. And now yeah. every single one, there's two things <laughs> I got to include. 
something having to do with uh, the dangerous gentlemen are about to come on. Um, I was waiting at one of the shows for the dangerous gentlemen. It, it's, 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 they all have that, and then somewhere in there, Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> those, are, those are the two signatures on every single one. So, yeah, you're hearing about how tasty the nuggets are, but you're hearing about how tasty the nuggets are that I was eating in the car while I was listening to the podcast of the dangerous gentlemen. Right. Who happened to be talking about how Epstein didn't kill himself? So stuck in on every single one. That that that's the that's the hook on every single one. That's not a, that's not an easy space to occupy. That's that's not an easy. I can't imagine that it's easy to become the, to be in the top ten percent of fast food reviews. <laughs> <laughs> that's not easy. You know what's so brilliant about it, dude? That I just I'm not trying to be on my own shit, but. Just because if you give them five stars, they do not want that review to go away. Right. That, was, that was the trick I figured out. Like right. They're never going to contest it. They ignore the wild shit you say, and they'll just post back on their social media account. Yo, thanks for the love. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Like, they're uh -huh. grateful for the review. I'm like, I don't even think they read it. But if you give them that five-star rating, nobody has any complaints. And you literally can hold court and say whatever the fuck you want. And do people rate your reviews? Yes. Beautiful. Yes, that's how you get up into the top 10%. Beautiful. Because <laughs> people it. are like, yeah, I found this review useful. Word, <laughs> there's estrus crows by the dumpster that attack you on the way out? Fuck, yeah. I got to be on the lookout. Ah, thank you. Thank you for the heads up. <laughs> Gosh. It's helpful. Yeah, it's Dude, it's so good. So, yeah, we got to get some of them laid out. We got to give them, get them read. We got to get a screen cap of the actual <laughs> review and have it be read. We'll get some nice soft music to go under it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good bit, man. Yeah, we've some full-on Tim and Eric type shit. Yeah, we've been doing this long enough now that we should. We should get some polished bits incorporated in, yeah. in, in, into these, uh, to these sessions. Yes, seriously. We got that and some commercials. We need uh, real commercials. We got to yeah, keep I'll, it up with the commercials. Those are good. Yeah, those. I think we had like two apps in 50 episodes. We should do this every week. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I can probably get some too. I come across enough hilarious shit. Like I found a, I don't know if I told you, I found a product in, uh, in Rural King that's supposed to attract deer. It's like a scent thing you throw on a guy on the ground. It's called deer cocaine. Straight up, yeah. Straight up deer cocaine, bro. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me just go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up, and I'm gonna have uh, a nice endorsement. For yeah, oh, they're great. It's amazing, and it says it says it's habit forming on the back. <laughs> Is yeah, that a for the deer? Yeah. Yeah, habit forming. It yeah, it's like some mineral shit that they throw on the ground. It's a powder. You know, they sell it in a brick, bro. It comes in a brick. <laughs> it comes in a brick. Straight up. A straight up white brick of, <laughs> of deer cocaine. That can't be real, dude. Bro, listen, I'm telling you. I saw it in the fucking... Holy shit. I saw it in the uh, in the rural king. Deer cocaine, bro. Dude, fucking that deer cocaine is fucking brilliant.
Yeah, I, I ain't mad at deer cocaine, bro. Not even a little bit. Especially if it comes in a white block. Yep, I'm looking it, at it right now. It's oh, such, shit. It's habit forming. And it's got the all white deer just nose deep in it. At <laughs> first, like, oh, shit. Yeah, bro. We're going to fuck all night. Cocaine. <laughs> Look at this shit. It's not deer cocaine. It's straight up deer cocaine. Now, what would be even better if they had some other deers like snorting lines off one of the other deer's horns? Oh, like that's yeah. little lines on the antler, and they're all like rubbed up against next to each other. That's that's yeah. next level. That's the next level. Cocaine orgies, deer cane. Yeah. The original deer cane mix. And one of them actually says cocaine on the front too. It's in the bag. The block says deer cane, but it, one of the uh, bags does say cocaine. What is it? Poen, knowing, deer licking good? Yeah, deer licking good. Oh no, pawing, gnawing. It's an A, not an O. Pawing, gnawing, deer licking good. Yo, it's like they're trying to sell it to the deer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't telling you the benefits <laughs> of how you're going to get more deer to hunt. And... Pawing and gnawing sounds like what fiends do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to bite their ear, on and on, scratching and itching. Deer looking good. Drug addicts. Oh, dude, this is the best shit ever. (laughs) You know what I want to do? I want to start driving around with a bag of this in my car. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, dude, I'm about to go get some. I'm about to go get some deers high as fuck. Yeah, just give them the first one free. Deer cane. Pawing, gnawing, deer licking good. This is an ad for the deer. This is not for the hunter. This it doesn't sell you on any of the benefits right. of why you should be using this in your, your hunting repertoire. I think this... deer, deer own this business. <laughs> <laughs> they dress up like people. We're going to be fucking rich. Have <laughs> a fucking good time. <laughs> yeah, they get humans to buy it with their own money. They give it to the deer for free. <laughs> We got these motherfuckers working for free. They take our product to market. They pay for the manufacturing. These dudes buy it, and then they just sprinkle it out for us for free. Bro, that's the best oh, drug shit. dealing. That's the best drug dealing. <laughs> I, sell, I sell it to my customers, and then they give it to my real customers for free. We've got the distribution chain. We got it on lock, bro. Oh, shit. That's yeah. brilliant. Deer cocaine, They son. figured it out. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. This is the kind of shit we need to be doing commercials for, whether they like it or not. Dude, fuck that. You know what I'm doing right now? <laughs> I'm looking for a t-shirt. <laughs> <It's just okay. laughs> they gotta have this shit on a t-shirt. Yeah, they don't give a damn. They don't give a damn. They sell it in a, bl- in a brick, son. The fact that it comes in a brick should let you know what type of shit they on. It, this is must be. Is this shit based in Miami or something? Where the fuck is it? Shit, dude. Evolved no, habitats. <laughs> this is the best shit I've seen in a minute. I would have never believed that this is real. Yeah, bro. That is fucking great. Yeah, I saw this shit in real life, bro. In real life, this is how I found out about it. I was walking in there because, you know, that's where I go to get the uh, ground covers and, like, all kinds of stuff. 
And I saw that shit. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, bro. Nope. They're they dead serious. And I love how they proclaim with such certainty the original. Like, yeah, as far no as you know, he never had any competitors. He didn't have to air nobody out. The nah. original. The only. Deer King. Habit forming. <laughs> why, would you, why would you need to put that on there? Yeah. you were really trying to sell it. Some fucking deers. Bro, how, how, how is the deer going to be alive long enough to form a habit when this whole reason, this is bait. You right. get them to eat this and just kill them. How is it a habit but for that tells you that's, that's, that's the game. Is that it ain't bait. They know. They wait for you to leave and then they get high as fuck. Right. And is it a coincidence that it's the exact same color scheme as the Tony Montana VHS cover? Oh, God. Oh, it is, ain't it? Yes. Scarface. Oh, dude. I, I'm looking at the can and then just playing that song in my head. Dun, 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 That's the music dun, we played during the commercial. That's what we played during the Deer Cocaine commercial. Yo, that, yeah, man. That, yeah, we should have a point where, yeah, let's, let's make that, that an unofficial sponsor. And, um, I'm gonna find. We need to find a way to get a ridiculous product every week to be our sponsor. Just some ridiculous, goofy shit. Give them advertising. Send them the bill, and then <laughs> like <laughs> for that part on the and then with a link to the video. Like here's our work. Please pay us. And yeah, then like and then um uh like in for the point in the uh uh YouTube video. Where the advertisement comes on, maybe just switch up the screenshot for the duration of that. Right. Just yeah, give we'll give them some product placement. Yeah, and we'll invoice them. I like that. That's 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 the juice right there. That's why we need the juice. Is make make an unsolicited commercial and invoice the company. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. They fuck around and like it and send us a check. Yeah, and if and if they and if they get it's like, like all right, well send me an itemized invoice for this, you know, a thousand dollars. You have like a hundred bucks in there for wardrobe, you know, two fifty <laughs> for catering. You know, just put it all this. Yeah, this is we we really put on we put on a production for you. Yeah, I like it. I'm we doing it first. I'm doing it. Dear cocaine is getting the first invoice. <laughs> <laughs> They're getting the first invoice, bro. Oh, dude. It. It. Hey, this is a podcast. We talk about permaculture and and wildlife and da 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 da. You know, yeah. Here you go. Now, who knows, you. man. Roping some sponsors, I think it'll happen. Especially if we consistent, and and also these types of products. I think these people got a sense of humor. They might just fuck around and pay us because it's funny. Yeah, dude. If you if you if you had a pitch meeting where you're like, what if we just call it cocaine for deep? <laughs> and everybody was like, fuck yeah, bro. Not only were they like, look how much we've gotten done tonight, and we're all on cocaine. Right. You're right, Brian. Fuck yeah, dear king. That's, that's a cool fucking board right there, buddy. Yeah, they let they you call are. your shit. Not only did they let you call it deer cocaine, they let you sell it in a brick. <laughs> <laughs> like, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. They let you sell it in a brick, son. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's golden. What a gold find. Bravo, sir. So Aspect, <laughs> Aspect and deer cane, you come through heavy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we yeah, gotta keep it close. Gems. 
All right, man. I'm going to let you go. Enjoy the rest of your night. Absolutely. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, bro. Yep, you as well, man. Till the next one. All right. Bless.